We continue the Dave Ellswick Show for this week. Good to have you here. A lot is happening in Washington, D.C. There are Republicans and there are Democrats at the White House meeting with the president as we are speaking, and they're trying to figure out a compromise to uh, get where we need to go to get, quote, the government back going again. About a third of it is shut down right now. And uh, to get the money that the president, I thought very uh, articulately last night, uh, expressed why we need a barrier. Notice he only said the wall, he only said a wall one time. What did I tell you? There was there were Democrats who said uh, that that it would go through easier uh, if he didn't include wall. In his uh, vernacular, which I find just absolutely ridiculous, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, he mentioned the steel wall, concrete, or steel uh, barrier, uh, concrete. Now, he said, that's when they said wall. He's a concrete wall. But it uh, seems like they've gone to this steel thing. He did not ask for national emergency, uh, security emergency on the border last night, uh, although... He has said today he could do that at any time uh, to force uh, this to a to a head. Let's go back and um, listen to some of the things that the president had to say. I picked out some good stuff for you. Uh, let's just start off with uh, number one, where the president's talking about that you can't have border security unless you have something there to keep the people from coming into our country. These people have to go without their paychecks. They're, they're, they're being, some are being forced to work without pay. Some have been furloughed. These are they park all get range- the money. They're all going to get the money, and I think they're going to be happy. And I will tell you, and I say it often, many of those people that you're talking about, so humanly the way you express it, but many of those people that you talk about are on my side. I've had so many people. The beautiful thing is with social media, the world can write to you. And you take a look at social media. So many of those people are saying, it's very hard for me. It's very hard for my family. But, Mr. President, you're doing the right thing. Get it done. I've had so many of them. They're patriots. They love our country. And they want to see it be done. Look, this is just common sense. They want to see it be done correctly. We need a barrier. We have to stop people from coming in the way they come in. And if we don't have it, you can never have border security unless you have a steel barrier, a concrete wall, you can call it whatever you want, but without it, you'll never have, you can have the greatest talent in the world, you will never, ever, in a million years, you will not have border security. can't happen. Yeah, it it amazes me that, you know, it's immoral, uh, we don't want to spend the money, it won't work, this, on and on. If If a wall doesn't work, then every, then why does the fence around the White House work? Why do the barriers around the Capitol work? The fence around the White House works because you got marksmen sitting on the roof of the White House who are ready to pick you off if you crawl over it. Well, hopefully we'll have enough uh, federal agents on the other side of a barrier that are waiting for you, not with open arms, but with handcuffs, if you get over uh, this barrier that they're talking about. Uh, working on. Remember what the president said last night in his speech? He made sure that everybody understood that uh, this is just one part 
of border security. Uh, a, a barrier is only one part, or a wall is only one part. You also have to have, and there's going to be more money spent on people who are going to be on the other side of that uh, that barrier. You're going to have people that are spread out over the United States looking for people who are able to sneak into our country. And In fact, uh, last night, I think on MSNBC, Ocasio-Cortez, you know, she would hope that there would be nobody on the other side of the barrier. I mean, she talked about ICE. Let's, let's hear what she had to say about that. She's cut number seven. The different version of tonight in the Oval Office. Um, since the very, very start of his campaign, he has made anti-immigrant uh, rhetoric and often factually incorrect screeds demonizing immigrants uh, a, more core to his presidency than any other form of his rhetoric. And so in your district, in a district, as you say, that is not just diverse, but it's 50 percent immigrant and that you can and you're talking about this sort of economic relationship that you can see between immigrant economic activity and the overall performance of your district. What's the consequence of having somebody as president who's made this core to his message and to what he wants his presidency to mean? What is the harm that's caused by him talking this way and using this sort of platform mm-hmm. the way he has, even when he can't get his policies passed? I can, I can tell you a very personal story. You know, as, as many people know, I was working in restaurants just a year ago. And when so the president what? first assumed office with his... With his uh, racist and violent rhetoric, uh, people started to send themselves home. And as we know, in restaurants, hospitality, every American eats, if you can, if you're, if you're, if you're lucky enough, we're able to eat three times a day. And that means that we interact with the people who prepare our food three times a day. When those people start to go home, local, or rather go back to the countries which they originated from, because many of them consider the United States their home. Uh, those places, they go into dysfunction. I remember one of our, our lead cooks brought himself back to Mexico because he was so scared of the president's rhetoric. We had an insane amount of dysfunction. We're talking about local restaurants. We're talking about local businesses. We're talking about uh, shuttering neighborhoods. And we're talking about people feeling unsafe. And no one should feel unsafe in the United States of America. And that includes our, our amazing and beautiful and productive immigrant community. And moreover, the one thing that the president has not talked about is the fact that he has systematically engaged in the violation of international human rights borders on uh, human rights on our border. He has separated children from their families. He talked about what happened the day after Christmas on the day of Christmas, a child died in ICE custody. The president should not be asking for more money to an agency that has systematically violated human rights. The president should be really defending why we are funding such an agency at all. Because right now, what we are seeing is death. Right now, what we are seeing is the violation of human rights. These children and these families are being held in what are, what are called yeleras, which are basically freezing boxes that no person should be maintained in for any amount of time, let alone the amount of time that they are being kept on. And moreover, even if you are anti-immigrant in this country, the majority of immigrant overstays, the majority of the reason that people are undocumented is visa 
overstay. It's not because people are crossing a border illegally. Uh, it is it is because of visa overstay, which, mind you, he's talking about legal immigration. He's trying to restrict every form of legal immigration there is in the United States. Mm. He's fighting against family reunification. He's fighting against the diversity visa lottery. He's fighting against almost every way that people can actually legally enter this country, forcing them to become undocumented. And then he's trying to attack their undocumented status. This is systematic, it is wrong, and it is anti-American. And again, those women and children trying to come here with nothing but the shirts on their back to create an opportunity and to provide for this nation are acting more in an American tradition than this president is right now. Oh, my God. This woman opens her mouth and nothing that floods out of them is lies. Even the people of her own party have begun attacking her of how she misstates facts continually, systematically, to use one of her name, her her uh, her uh, words that she loves to throw around, that an illegal immigrant acts more American than an American does. Do you realize how stupid that statement is? That's just stupid. You can't be an American unless you can you you become national you know nationalized and become a, a citizen. And if you want to become a citizen, you have to come in correctly into our nation. And notice she never calls any of these people illegal immigrants. The president refers to. Illegal immigrants, he refers to legal immigrants and saying that's the way you need to come in. If you come in illegally, we're not going to let you stay here. And uh, I I get this whole feeling that uh, Cortez here doesn't think that any, any restaurant in America would stay open if illegals went home. I don't buy that. I know a lot of restaurants that have great serve uh, staff that aren't all illegals. It's just, she's, she's a, and, and what she had to say about ICE and then to talk about the, the kid who died on Christmas Day. I don't know if it was on Christmas Day that they died. I don't know the exact day. I know two children have died in ICE uh, uh, care. Both of them were sick uh, when ICE uh they were brought to ICE's uh, attention. They tried to get one to a hospital, and they died on the way. On the way, they got one to a hospital, and they died. They both came from the same area. They both came and had the same condition. CDC is on the border, trying to figure out what it was that killed these two children. And she makes it sound like because ICE had them in their custody that they killed those kids. That is a bald-faced lie. This woman has no shame. I mean, has no shame. Zip, nada, zilch. No shame at all. Incredible. I got more of what the president had to say here in a moment. It's Dave Ellswick's show. We're at 18 after 2. I'm going to try to get her on. I'm going to try to get her on. I'm going to make a phone call to her office, see if she'll 
join us on air. I'm not going to hold my breath on it, but I'm going to ask her to come on. Everybody says, I never ask people like that on. I'll ask her to come on. I just never expect them to come on because they know what they're in for. If they, they come on. Hey, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Let me tell you what, I have nothing but great respect for R.D. Uh, Hopper, the owner of Sunny's Auto Salvage. He does such a great job. He works so hard for his customers, tries to get everything exactly right. I mean, he wouldn't even give me my car back until he had personally driven it around and uh, make sure, made sure that it ran absolutely perfectly. I got my car back last night, and, and he brought it to my house. Did a great, And they did a great job. My car hasn't sound this quiet and run this smoothly uh, in a couple of years. Just absolutely amazing. I've had a, a transmission put on for it over at Sunny's and had a new motor dropped into it. You can have all of that done as well or whatever kind of work you need done. Uh, they'll do the, the mechanical work for you as well. The phone number to call, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. It's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All right, let's continue on uh, talking about the president's speech last night from the Oval Office. He talked about uh, MS-13, of course, and uh, he also has had a press conference uh, just recently that we've got sound from as well. But let's hear what the president has to say about MS-13. Cut to. People out there want something to happen at our southern border, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's drugs, whether it's criminals, whether it's MS-13. The folks behind me know all about MS-13 and how violent and vicious they are and where they come from. And they all come from the same place and they all come in the same way. They come right across that border. And we've thrown thousands out. I would say thousands, right, fellas? I mean, literally MS-13, and you have a lot of it. I know that, Rich. Uh, We throw thousands out a year, and then they come back, and we move them all the way back to where they came from, all the way back, and they find a way to come back again. We need strong borders, and we need immigration reform. Beyond that, we need immigration reform. All right. I mean, it's pretty... If you've listened to my show for any length of time, especially when I've gone to hold their feet to the fire, which deals with illegal immigration, you've heard Border Patrol, you've heard sheriffs, uh, you've heard police chiefs, you've heard a a huge amount of people talk about MS-13. You know, their whole, you know, rape, kill, control, that's what they stand for, and uh, you know, they, they talked a little bit about that last night. The president did during his speech, talking about the teenage girl who was raped and then beat to death by MS-13. That was in Manhattan, of all places. And they've killed people all over this country. And they, they came in from Central America. A lot of these uh, people in MS-13 are former uh, military people from... Uh, um, Central America, uh, further south than uh, Mexico, and uh, are, are far, former military, just like the cartels are former, most of them are former military members as well. 
So the president just keeps saying what he's been saying uh, for weeks now. And that's this in cut three. Fairness, there's not much they can do. They can get them every once in a while. But the other way, we can eliminate the problem as it pertains to the area that is the worst problem. Probably the world's worst problem because they come into the United States because we have the money. That's true with drugs. And everything I said for human trafficking is also true with drugs. So we got to get the politics out of this and go back to common sense. You know, they say it's a medieval solution, a wall. That's true. It's medieval because it worked then and it works even better now. Israel put up a wall, 99.9% successful, according to Bibi Netanyahu. He came into my office a couple of months ago. He said, what's with the wall? We put up a wall. It was 99.9% successful. 99.9. I said, you mind if I use that number? He said, you know, because they'll, they'll fact check it. And they'll say, oh, it was actually only 99%. The president told the fib. Now, he told me 99.9. Maybe he'll change it, make it 99 But they put up a wall and they don't have a problem anymore. And we have to do the same thing. The United States must not incentivize or enable these evil crimes. Instead, we should do everything we can to fight them, and that's what we're doing. I call on Congress to send me a funding bill to secure the border, build a barrier, and help end this horrific assault on innocent life, not to mention the drugs, not to mention the gangs and the criminals. And I will very gladly sign this legislation having to do specifically with a horrible, horrible worldwide problem human trafficking and it's my honor to do it and i very much appreciate all of the democrat support i very much do thank you all right and on top of that he did talk about human trafficking uh in that press conference and here's what he had to say about that. all of the other things the sensors and the drones it's all wonderful to have and it works well but only if you have the wall if you don't have the wall it doesn't matter a drone isn't stopping a thousand people from running through and so we can all talk. And, and you know, interestingly, uh, if you look, every virtually every Democrat over the last 15 years, they've approved what we're asking for. So I think we're doing something. I think we're getting closer. Uh, but we really have to think about the people of our country. This is not a fight I wanted. I didn't want this fight. We have to think about the people of our country. And we have to do what's right at our border and and many other places but we have to do what's right at our border human trafficking cannot be stopped if we don't have a steel barrier or a concrete wall something very powerful it cannot be stopped there's nothing we have the most talented law enforcement people in the world as far as i'm concerned right alongside of being behind me it doesn't mean a thing if they're going to be driving women and children through sections of the border where nobody is, where you can't be because you don't have enough manpower or woman power. You don't have enough of anything. You have 2,000 miles of border. You just got to understand that this is more than uh, trying to keep out uh, illegals that are going to come over and they flood into our workforces and things of that nature. And... uh, cause uh, wages to be suppressed in the areas that they're at but the other thing that you got to keep in mind is you know how much uh, drugs are brought across the southern border you also need to know uh, 
this whole thing about sexual trafficking that's going on now. I mean, I've had PATH on. I've had a lot of the different groups on, and they talk about this. I mean, I think some of the best billboards I've seen about, uh, you know, sexual uh, trafficking has has been the billboards we've seen up that say something like sex, uh, hot, uh, young, and then it says something else, and it talks about these young people that have been trafficking been trafficking and brought over by the cartels on the southern border all right we got to get to the news when we come back i got more audio for you we'll talk about that we'll try to catch up on what's going on in washington all right back with you the dave ellswick show uh we have just been contacted by uh congressman hill's office steve uh, steve smith who is the uh of course um communications director and said that uh, the uh, congressman will call us from the cloakroom at 3.35 our time and uh, has about 10, 15 minutes that he can spend with us. And basically the thing to be talked about today is what went down last night, which was the president's speech that he made to the nation from the Oval Office uh, dealing with the wall funding and uh, uh, illegal immigration. You know, I don't know if you listen to Mike Gallagher or not here uh, on the radio station. Starts at 8 o'clock, goes to 11 o'clock, does a great job. Mike's a good guy, uh, Very stays up to date on the information, on the topics that are big to you. Um, I let him and, and Prager and others take care of typically uh, the national news because I like to zero in on what's going on in the state and locally at your quorum courts and things of that nature because that's going to have a, a direct impact on you uh, quickly. Uh, Gallagher, though, made a statement and in his show uh, about uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and talked about how she's being held hostage. What does he mean by that? Let me let him talk about that. Uh, cut number five. We were poised to win the battle because when Chuck Schumer shut the government down, if you remember, the American people said, you're crazy. And a few days later, he said, Shazam, I'm going to open the government back up because he saw what was mm-hmm. happening politically. Democrats are more focused on stopping the president than they are on helping the country. And that's evidenced by Schumer was for this a few years ago. Pelosi was mm-hmm. for this a few years ago. And now they're not. Jim Jordan hitting back at Democrats as well. Speaker Pelosi, Chuck Schumer accused the Trump, uh, President Trump rather, of stoking fear. Mike Gallagher, Republican, member of the Armed Services Homeland Security Committee. Sir, how you doing? Welcome back here. We were um, with Tom Perez about 30 minutes ago, head of the DNC. What are the Democratic ideas to uh, secure the border? Well, Bill, Jim Jordan is absolutely right. Speaker Pelosi simply has no ideas. She is not making a serious effort to compromise. And to prove that that's the case, consider, one, the fact that she said at most she would consider $1 in funding for border security. And consider also that as soon as the shutdown happened, she went on vacation in Hawaii. She went on vacation in Hawaii, and that just proves that she is more focused on denying the president victory rather than looking at the southern border and think, okay, what can we do to come together to fix this problem and move on to more important problems going so, forward? So my guess is you know kind of sort of where things stand right now. Here's what the White House says they're looking for on security. Steel barrier, southwest border, 750 additional border patrol agents, 2,000 law enforcement personnel, 52,000 detention beds. Wow, for the influx of border crossers, enhanced medical support supplies, additional temporary facilities. How much of that do you think Democrats would say, okay, we'll do it? 
I think it makes an enormous amount of sense to support those proposals. And I think there are a lot of my Democratic colleagues right now who would be willing to support that common sense move forward. But here's the problem. Pelosi is being held hostage by the Progressive Caucus on the Democratic side, which is completely unwilling to compromise. And I'm sorry, but you have to be willing at least to meet in the middle somewhere here. And so just to say, no, we're not going to do anything is not a serious proposal. And I have to commend the White House for giving a serious address last night and making a serious effort at compromise. Consider the steel slat idea. That itself is a compromise. The Democrats objected to concrete border walls. And so the president said, OK, we're going to move to, towards steel fencing which both Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer voted for in March of last year. So what is the problem now? Yeah. Do you see a way out of this? What would you, what would you tell the well, White House? I would hope that the, um, the White House last night may have convinced some people, but the only other way I can think of out of this is to embark on a bottom-up process rather than a top-down process. Let's go back to the relevant committees of jurisdiction, like the Homeland Security Committee, on which I serve, and let's see if the younger members can work something out, and let's see if that bottom-up proposal can actually convince the rest of Congress. All right, so there you have it. By the way, uh, up on Fox just uh, a moment ago, uh, Schumer, Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, all in front of the White House, in front of the microphone, saying that the president asked him to come in, and now the, that the president got up and just walked out of the meeting. That tells me that the Democrats were being uh, reasonable, nor were they uh, wanting to talk about any kind of compromise, and that's what this president's going to do at that point. So I go along. If that's is, if this is what comes up, and we hear about it, that's where we go. Uh, the president, in a tweet, just left a meeting with Chuck and Nancy. A total waste of time. I asked what is going to happen in thirty days if I quickly open things up. Are you going to approve border security, which includes a wall or steel barrier? Nancy said no. So I just said bye bye. Nothing else works. In other words, he asked Nancy Pelosi. The question, she's been pushing, reopen the government, pass legislation that reopens the government, and the president said, hey, okay, so if I go along with that, if I'll um, compromise and reopen the government, are you saying that we, you will do the wall? And she said, absolutely not. So when you hear that, uh, you know, can we pull up... uh, our uh, television in here real quickly, Russ, by any chance? The vice president is speaking, and we can hear what he has to say. Got to give you some breaking news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here we go. Vice president. Looks like Scalise is there. The media is running and getting up. Vice president, we're ready here, so anytime you'd like to speak, we're ready to hear you. Okay. The president, see if the vice president's ready to talk. Thank you all for coming out. Here it is. Well, uh, we'll make a few brief remarks and then happy to answer a few questions. Uh, we just ended a very short meeting in the Situation Room. The president invited the Republican and Democratic leadership here to Capitol Hill because we are facing not only a partial government shutdown, but we are also facing a humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. Uh, This past week, the president and I and these leaders met on two separate occasions. 
all those in the room, directed staff to spend the entire weekend working over proposals. At the president's direction, we incorporated Democrat ideas and language in our proposal and made an offer to resolve this impasse and address the crisis at our southern border. And today, in this brief meeting, we heard once again that Democratic leaders are unwilling to even negotiate to resolve this partial government shutdown or address the crisis at our southern border. They demanded once again that before any negotiations could begin, that we would have to agree to reopen the government. And uh, the president called the question in the meeting. He asked Speaker Pelosi that if he opened things up quickly, if he reopened the government quickly, would she be willing uh, to agree to funding for a wall or a barrier on the southern border? And when she said no, the president said goodbye. Now, I know there's been millions of Americans, hundreds of thousands of federal workers that are as disappointed as we are that the Democrats are unwilling to engage in good faith negotiations. Look, the American people know we face a serious humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. And this president, our entire administration, working with these Republican leaders, is going to continue to drive forward to bring about the kind of reforms that will see to the safety and security of the American people. But what the president made clear today is he is going to stand firm to achieve his priorities to build a wall, a steel barrier on the southern border, add additional personnel, additional resources, additional reforms to stem the crisis that we face on our southern border. And uh, we're very grateful for these Republican leaders here and others that were gathered with us for their support. Um, I want to clarify a few things as I just listened to Senator Schumer. I know he complained the time that you had cameras in the meeting. I think we need to bring him back. Because what he described the meeting to be was totally different than what took place. When we entered the room, the president, again, calling all the leaders together to solve this problem. He even brought a little candy for everybody. He started off talking a little bit about wanting to get this solved. He even spoke last night saying in 45 minutes, he says, but I think we could do it in 10. I want to turn the floor over, the president said to Speaker Pelosi and Schumer. Tell us what offer you have, because we all had in our hands, from the weekend's work of the Vice President, and every office had staff there, about where we were. The different offers, the increases of the work that you've done to secure this border. So we turned to Speaker Pelosi. She began to argue whether we even have a crisis or whether facts are true. Turned to Schumer again, who said, we just have to open the government up. The president would go back and forth in a negotiation in a very respectful way. I saw Schumer continue to raise his voice. The president then turned to the speaker and politely asked her, okay, Nancy, if we open the government up in 30 days, could we have border security? She raised her hand and said, no, not at all. The president calmly said, I guess you're still not wanting to deal with the problem. The president wants to solve this problem. That's why he continues to bring us down. That's why he's put offers on the table. Not once have the Democrats offered anything back. 
the entire time I've been in these meetings, they want to just argue so people can present a fact. They want to argue and debate whether what comes across this southern border. People are hurting. And as I've said before, I will work with anyone that wants to move America forward and wants to secure our border. This is the goal that everybody in that room, every Democrat said in that room, they're for border security. But you ask me, what American believes border security does not have some form of a barrier? It's only the Democrats sitting in that room have I ever found. And the way they have displayed and their behavior is embarrassing to me. And the way to come out to this floor and talk about a meeting in a manner that did not take place in there is disturbing to me. I want to solve this problem. People are hurting, so I tell the Democrats, get back into the room. Let's not leave. Let's solve this problem. Just as the president said, it doesn't even take 45 minutes. We're here and we want to work. Well, uh, Leader McCarthy, I think, described it very accurately. Uh, we all came to this meeting. I heard the president say last, week, or last night that this could be solved in 45 minutes. And I had hoped coming to this meeting today that that's what was going to happen, that we were going to sit down and the Democrats were going to negotiate in good faith and we were going to come up with a resolution. And um, they obviously had not moved an inch and haven't moved an inch. I mean, they've accused the president of not being willing to negotiate, but the president's been more than willing to negotiate. He's had the vice president here the last two weekends, meeting with members, meeting with members of staff, um, trying to move the ball down the field and get us on a path where we can get a solution. And the, uh, the answer today to the president's question, and that is exactly how it was phrased, and that is that Speaker Pelosi, if I were to open up the government today, 30 days from now, would you support any funding for border security for a wall? And she said, no. And I think the president uh, clearly interpreted that, as he rightly should have, as uh, clear evidence the Democrats have no interest right now in trying to solve this problem. They clearly want the political issue. Mr. Mr. President, where do you go from here? Well, first of all, I thought the president was very calm in trying to continue to put different options on the table to solve this serious crisis at our border. Last night he laid out some of the problems and challenges that we're facing as a country and how we can get a solution. But today what he did was start to offer some more ideas. And look, our teams worked over the weekend, and we can talk about terms all day long, but at some point the other side has to put a counteroffer on the table. No is not a valid answer if you're serious about solving this problem. And so as the president started off laying out uh, not why he wants $5.7 billion, but why the experts who are tasked with securing our nation have said it's going to take $5.7 billion to secure the border and deal with this crisis, including building a wall. Uh, when Nancy Pelosi last week, her only answer was to jokingly say she'd support a dollar. Now, the American people who are watching this shutdown, the families who are going to be missing paychecks this week, uh, it's not fair to them to jokingly say you're going to will willing to only offer a dollar to solve this problem when you haven't given any serious credible counteroffer. The president's laid out many different options. The president's even said he'll change the definition of a wall to work with Democrats. He'll move off of the number. He even sent the vice president down weeks ago to offer a negotiation that would involve a lower number than what our national security experts have said. And not one single time have the Democrats offered a counter other than to say a dollar. 
And so today when the president, and by the way, nobody slammed their hand on a table. To mischaracterize some of the things that happened in that meeting is not fair to this process. Uh, But at the same time, when the president looks at Nancy Pelosi and says, if I give you another 30 days, will you be willing to support some funding for a wall to secure the border? And she says no. Not, well, maybe a little bit more than a dollar, not some serious counteroffer, but just flat out no. That's not an acceptable answer to a serious crisis at our border uh, where we're seeing people dying, where we're seeing the drugs that are pouring in uh, and the families all across this nation that are being touched in a very negative way uh, by the drugs and the opioids. Uh, When you're going to see paychecks being missed and there's a quick way to solve this problem and not once have the Democrats offered a single counteroffer and the president's offered multiple times to negotiate in good faith and the Democrats haven't given one counteroffer. That's not an acceptable answer. They need to come back to the table with some kind of serious, credible alternative. Sure. Just quickly to add, I just I I think on behalf of the Department of Homeland Security, I'm just thoroughly disappointed. This is a crisis. It is a humanitarian crisis. It is a security crisis. And the reality is that walls work. Everywhere we have put up a wall, illegal immigration has been reduced 90 to 95 percent. Do you want to stop the smuggling between ports of entry? You need a wall. Do you want to stop the human misery that's pulled between the walls? You need a wall. We have addressed the ports of entry. The vice president worked all weekend personally with congressional staff. We came up with an offer that would secure the ports of entry by checking every single vehicle for drugs. But the criminals also come between ports of entry. It's not an or, it's an and. We need security at the ports of entry and we need security between the ports of entry. So I will let you take questions, sir. But this is a crisis. It's up to the United States Congress to do their job, take the leadership that the vice president and president are taking, and fix this on behalf of all Americans. I'd say to every American that this president and this administration takes very seriously our solemn obligation to do what's necessary to protect the American people and uphold our laws. The offer that we put at the president's direction on the table, the offer that was in front of Democrat leaders again today in the Situation Room, represents a combination of approaches. Certainly there is the president's wall, a steel barrier on the southern border, that the president's put his number on the table. But we've also added additional resources for personnel, additional reforms, humanitarian assistance, changes in our asylum laws, some of which was informed by our earlier discussions with Democrat leaders. We've been working in good faith over the last three weeks to resolve not just this partial government shutdown, but to address what is an undeniable crisis at our southern border. Even even the Washington Post called it a bona fide emergency. We have 60,000 people a month being apprehended at our borders, and two-thirds of them are now families and unaccompanied minors. That's not a situation that our, our, our border patrol system was ever designed to deal with. And so we need reforms. 
We need changes. We need a wall, a physical barrier. But what I, th- I think would have to be dis- dis- distressing to 800,000 federal workers and to tens of millions of Americans is the answer in all of this from the Democrats is we will not negotiate. All right, they're uh, just taking some questions now. You already heard what everybody had to say about the meeting. Uh, Nothing new is going to come out what the reporters are asking, so uh, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that. Vice President still stands in front of the uh, press corps and answers questions. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, keeping you up to date on the uh, border negotiations or non-negotiations going on in Washington, D.C. All right, we're going to be back after the news at the top of the hour. Don't forget, in the next uh, hour, we'll have Congressman Hill. In the following hour, we'll have Senator Bozeman. And in the final uh, half hour of the 4 o'clock hour and then the full 5 o'clock hour, Duck will be here to talk from uh, the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers to answer any of your car questions and talk about information that's going on in the automobile industry. All that's coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 335, uh, we'll welcome uh, Congressman French Hill to the show. He'll be calling in from the cloakroom. They are doing business uh, on the floor of the House as we speak, and uh, he'll call us from the cloakroom uh, to talk to us about the president's speech last night and what happened today at the White House uh, with the Democrats in, in not doing any kind of negotiation in good faith. And uh, with the, speaking about that, uh, Sarah Sanders had this to say about the Democrats and if they're worried about uh, Americans in this country. Thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who illegally entered our country, and thousands more lives will be lost if we don't act right now. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. Imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife, whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. Right, and the president said, call your member of Congress. We've called up Sarah Sanders. She's the press secretary to the president, joins us live in North Lawn. Sarah, good morning. We know that uh, the president's going to meet with uh, Chuck and Nancy and other top congressional uh, Republicans and Democrats later today around 3 o'clock. But last night it was so clear. The president is fighting for the wall, and they are fighting against it. It just doesn't look like either side can budge or they're going to look bad. It's actually more than that. The president's fighting not just for the wall, but he's fighting for border security. He's fighting for the protection and the safety of every American citizen. And the fact that the Democrats want to continue to live in denial and pretend that things that uh, are coming across this border that bring harm to people in this country aren't happening is frankly sad. It's ridiculous. And I think you saw that on full display last night in their response to the president. Yeah, what did you make of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? They came out and they were standing behind that podium and Chuck Schumer said that he he thought that the wall was unnecessary but then if you look at what he said back in June June 24 2009 he said we need to create a significant barrier so why the change of heart is it just because they want to go against the president they don't want to win for him I, I, 
I can't find a single other reason other than that they want to fight this president on every single thing. They care more about playing politics than they do about protecting Americans. Uh, I think what we saw last night was, frankly, um, pathetic excuse. If this is the face and the future of the Democrat Party, I think things are looking really good for Republicans. But what our focus here is making sure that we get border security. We've laid out a very clear proposal. In fact, in that proposal, we listed things that the Democrats wanted us to do, demonstrating our willingness to work together with Democrats. They said they didn't want a concrete wall, so we made it a steel barrier. They requested specific types of technology to be included uh, at ports of entry. We put that in our proposal. We have shown our willingness to work with them. Now they have to show that they're willing to do their jobs and do something other than fight this president. Sarah, do you get the sense that Friday the president's looking at as a real uh, deadline because that'll be the second time uh, people miss their paychecks and there's a real urgency between the address yesterday, the visit on Thursday, and now the specific demands are out there. Do you get the sense that something's got to change by Friday? Uh, We sure hope so. Uh, The leadership will be at the White House later this afternoon. um, And it would be great if Democrats showed up and demonstrated the same type of willingness that we have to actually get the job done, to do what they were elected to do. They all took an oath of office to uphold the Constitution, to protect the people of this country. Mm -hmm. Let's hope they get serious about it, and we see some of that this afternoon. Okay, and uh, he's going to have lunch with the congressional Republicans up on Capitol Hill. Then tomorrow he's going to go to, we believe, McAllen, Texas, to survey what's going on at the southern uh, border. He's making the case that, that there is a crisis down there. And last night, while he did not, Sarah, mention uh, declaring a national emergency at the southern border, that certainly remains an option. The big question is, how likely, given the fact that, that if he does that, then it could probably reopen the federal government? Uh, certainly still an option, something that's on the table, that's something that we are looking at. But at the end of the day, the best solution to fix this problem, it's not just a budgetary issue. We have legislative fixes that need to take place, and we need Congress to help us do that. So we're hopeful, again, that they'll get serious about doing their jobs and work with us to accomplish these things. Yeah. Sarah, Rosen, Sarah also there's some other news. Rod Rosenstein, uh, the report, and Fox confirmed it, will be resigning in the next two weeks. What could you tell us about that, and what's the president's reaction? I know the Deputy Attorney General has uh, always planned to roughly stay around two years. I know he has a great deal of respect for uh, the new nominee for Attorney General, uh, Mr. Barr, and I think they have a great relationship. I haven't spoken to uh, the Deputy Attorney General myself, so I'll leave uh, any announcements for him or the President to make uh, when they want to do that. But certainly, um, I don't think there's any willingness by the President or the White House to push him out. Uh, my guess is that he is making room for the new attorney general to, to build a team that he wants around him. Sarah, there were some discrepancies with some numbers. You had said that border officials detained 4,000 suspected terrorists last year, and then the Customs and Border Patrol revealed the, the real numbers, and only six people on the security watch list were detained over six months. Um, we wanted to ask you about that. Why the inflated figure? 
Uh, I, I should have said 4,000 uh, at all points of entry, not just at the southern border. But the bottom line is, whether it's one, whether it's four, whether it's 14 or 4,000, one terrorist coming into our country in uh, a legal fashion to do us harm is one too many. And we have to take every step possible to prevent that from happening, including protecting our most vulnerable points of entry. And we know that to be the southern border. We have to do what is necessary to protect our border, to protect the people. And that's exactly what president trump has done and that's exactly what he laid out in his speech last night all right so she hadn't of course this was from early this morning was not from this afternoon and the whole thing about the democrats caring more about playing politics than they do about protecting americans pretty obvious now after they show up and the president asked the speaker of the house hey look uh, if i open up the government in 30 days, can we get the money uh, for the wall that we've asked for? And she said, in fact, for border security, she said, absolutely not. So, why, you know, and then the president walked out of the meeting. Why would he stay? There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to negotiate there. The Democrats are just saying, uh, give us what we want or um, and we're not going to sit down and do any kind of negotiation at all. OK, go on back up to the Capitol. Uh, sit in your uh, offices and you tell people why their their uh, paychecks aren't being sent to them because the president says he's willing to do it. I'm hoping on Friday he just, he declares his emergency status and goes ahead to, to build the wall and uh, starts putting it together. And if the Democrats uh, depend, uh, decide to challenge it in court and try to tie it all up in legalese, then if I were the president, I'd keep the government shut, period. Just go out and show that I'm willing to get this thing done. They're not. Absolutely aren't. All right, yesterday I talked about along the border things that they're really worried about. Border authorities are referring 50 people a day for urgent medical care for things like tuberculosis. Uh, they said, a top official said, it's unlike anything they've ever seen before. Most of those in need in, of care are children, a staggering 28% or under age five, having been dragged along for the trip by parents who in many cases are hoping to use the children as a shield against speedy deportation from the U.S. The numbers were released after a full review was done of all children in the custody of Customs and Border Protection in the wake of two uh, illegal immigrant children who died in U.S. hospitals in December. CBP Commissioner Kevin McAllen said most of those needing help were uh, ill when they arrived at the border, and some appear to have made the initial decision to leave their countries even while they were ill. Many were ill before they departed their homes, said the commissioner. We're talking about cases of pneumonia, tuberculosis, parasites, etc. These are not things that developed urgently in a matter of days. Agents have spotted a new trend in the traffic from Central America to the U.S. with smuggling organizations using commercial buses 
to get people through the journey in less than a week. That's far faster than the 25 to 30 days it takes most migrants who walk or take a mixture of transportation to get from Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras through Mexico and to the border. The commissioner said the commercial buses are also delivering migrants to parts of the border, such now as western Texas and New Mexico, that have traditionally been less afflicted by the flow of immigrants crossing into the U.S. illegally. The uh, faster trip makes it easier for sick people to come and provides confidence for parents to bring younger children along. As of Monday, 17 of the people referred for medical care were still hospitalized. The deaths, and this goes back to Cortez, who talked about a seven-year-old little girl died on Christmas Day under ice care. There, you know, it all smells of death. Uh, The deaths of a seven-year-old girl and an eight-year-old boy in CBP custody in December drawing fierce criticism with some Democrats and a number of immigrant rights groups saying the agency has, quote, blood on its hands. The girl arrived with her father as part of a group of more than 160 people at a remote part of the border in New Mexico, hours from the nearest Border Patrol station. That didn't happen by chance, my friend. Her father first told agents she was healthy, but then later alerted them when she began to vomit and then she lost consciousness. Agents revived her twice. She was flown by air ambulance to a hospital where she later died after suffering major organ failure. The boy died Christmas Eve after six days in uh, CBP custody, having been transferred to multiple facilities because of overcrowding due to the new surge of people. His uh, initial illness had been diagnosed at a hospital as a common cold. Then he was deemed to have a fever. He was treated and released, but hours later, back at a border holding facility, he vomited. His father declined medical attention, but an agent during a later welfare check said the boy looked ill, had him taken back to the hospital, and the boy passed away there. The boy's mother back in Guatemala told Reuters they had been told by neighbors that if he brought the child, the father would get more lenient treatment by U.S. authorities and would be quickly released into the U.S. where he could disappear into the shadows, live in the U.S. illegally, and find work. She was referring to a 2015 court ruling in the Flores case which saw an Obama-appointed judge issue a decision that forces the government either to separate children from their parents, a practice that was tried earlier this year to much criticism, or to release both the parents and the children within about 20 days. That ruling was appealed by the Obama administration, but mostly upheld by an appeals court. So bottom line is, you just... Pay attention a little bit. Our people on the border are doing the best job they can possibly do in a very tough, tough situation. A humanitarian crisis caused by our Congress. Our Congress not working on this problem 
in any significancy over the years. They've made this happen. Now they want to run away from it because it has happened. We got to get a break in because we've got uh, Congressman Hill coming up. Let's do that right now. When we come back, we'll get ready for news and then we'll get read, ready for Congressman French Hill. All right. So Newt Gingrich chimed in about last night's president's speech. Let me read what he said. I, I hope that you've been seeing the memes on uh, uh, text and uh, also on Twitter dealing with Chuck and Nancy standing up in front of a row of American flags looking like Ma and Paul Kettle risen from the grave to talk to Americans. It says, uh, here's what uh, Gingrich said. The result was not as lopsided as the Clemson annihilation of Alabama in the national championship game Monday. But the outcome of the first head-to-head television effort of the new Congress was decisive. President Trump clearly gained ground, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer lost ground. Part of President Trump's advantage was structural. Presidents almost always do better than congressional leaders in a nationally televised setting. The emotional power of the Oval Office and the authority of the presidency have given every president in my lifetime a huge advantage over their congressional opponents. Smart congressional leaders never pick themselves to respond. Ideally, they pick someone who offsets the president's strength. Tuesday night, a young Hispanic member of Congress or perhaps representatives from border states speaking with intensity and sincerity would have been 100 times better than the Nancy and Chuck show. To a degree no one could have anticipated, the two Democrats just looked bad. A friend of mine who consults on political media wrote me saying, quote, Trump should pay these guys to speak to the nation. They look like mummies risen from an ancient tomb. It's like an Saturday Night Live sketch. The self-destructive appearance of Pelosi and Schumer reminded me of the Ev and Charlie show named for Senate Republican leader Everett Dirksen and House Republican leader Charles Halleck. They tried to compete with President Kennedy, who was a young, charismatic master of television, and they ended up being ridiculed and became a symbol of ineffective old politics. Nancy and Chuck were building that reputation last night with their appearance. President Trump had an advantage in simply having the clear, better case. He used facts, references that built to the argument for protecting our southern border as a matter of protecting Americans. The party that wants to protect Americans will almost always win against the party that wants to risk American lives for ideological and political objectives. When the uh, president asserted that, quote, in the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of aliens with criminal records, including those charged on 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 violent killings, he was being the commander-in-chief defending Americans from danger. But to be, uh, be honest with you, what we have here 
is uh, Nancy uh, Pelosi and Chuck Schumer doing their party huge, huge damage. And Pelosi's doing it because she thinks she's, uh, you know, making herself the darling of the left. Well, the left better learn that if to be their darling, she has to parrot that ICE needs to be gotten rid of, that uh, ICE is killing innocent children at the border, that uh, walls will not work at all. If, if she's going to lay her authority as Speaker of, uh, of the House on stupidity like that, I don't want her just to be Speaker of the House for the next two years. I'd love her to be the Speaker of the House uh, for longer than that if the Democrats can hold on to the House, which I'm doubting after I watched that performance last night and after hearing and seeing what happened uh, today. Today, the Democrats moved the shutdown of government from being caused by the president to being, uh, you know, the problem of uh, the Democrats. Uh, I understand that uh, we've got the congressman on. We'll go ahead and grab hold of him as we can, if we can get our break in, too, with him. Or can we move past the break? We can just go past the break. Good. All right, let's go to Congressman Hill. Congressman Hill, thanks for joining us today. Happy New Year, Dave. Great to be with you. Happy New Year to you as well. Well, you watched the president's speech last night. What did you think? Well, he laid out uh, the case that I've known for the four years I've been in Congress. I've been to the border four times, getting ready to head back in a few weeks. And he outlined exactly what I've seen every time I've been to the southwest border, whether it's in Tijuana and San Diego or all the way down into Texas. We need more manpower. We need more judges. We need uh, a physical barrier. And our county judges there, our sheriffs, our border patrol agents, all say that barriers work the fencing works and where we have double fencing and a road like we have in san diego or el paso you see 90 percent reductions in illegal border crossings uh so you know all i can express to you is my sincere frustration that the democrats will not simply come up with a common sense solution here with the president and something they voted for time and time again over the past two decades. So my question is this, are you aware of what happened at the White House today? Well, I saw the president just got nowhere with them and uh, ended up just excusing himself from the meeting because it wasn't productive. Okay, yeah, he walked out. I mean, he asked Nancy Pelosi today, hey, Nancy, if uh, I work quickly and get the, you know, the government Going again uh, in 30 days, can we start the wall? She said, no, no border security, no wall, blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, I watched that and I watched the Democrats come out and talk about that meeting. I saw the Republicans come out, which included the vice president and and uh, the minority leader and Scalise and some other folks uh, uh, out there. And here's what I thought as I watched it, uh, Congressman, and, and, and I hope that you'll get a chance to see it, too. It seemed to me that a lot of people have laid at the table of the president. He's the one that's responsible for the closing of the government. I think today the Republicans worked, and last night, worked really hard at taking that position and making the, this their shutdown now. 
Well, the bottom line is uh, we've passed the money to fund the government and fund border security in the House. Democrats have voted for border security funding. And when I say the word border security, it's not a euphemism. It is physical barriers on the border as recommended by the Department of Homeland Security. And they're simply for political purposes refusing to make an offer or to give any credit to this important national security issue. And for me, it's just, it's offensive. I mean, my due diligence tells me we need a physical barrier. This is not a new proposal. Bill Clinton made it. George W. Bush proposed it. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer have all voted in favor of, of barrier fencing, uh, just as I've described. All Trump is doing is extending it and improving it where it's been cut through so many times with concrete cutters and been repaired so many times. It's just not effective. Um, So we know they work. We know it's an integral part of a border security program and a part of our immigration reform program. So what we need is the Democrats to come forward with a proposal that the president can negotiate with. And that's where we are. All right, so you're now sitting in a in a house that's controlled by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. How 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 is the feeling right now in the house? Well, uh she had to first get her vote to be elected speaker and she squeaked by with a few of her members uh, voting present and then a number of people voting no, but she had a vote to spare. Uh, and we are waiting for her to appoint the committees. So we can't really start the work of the people through the committee system until Mrs. Pelosi appoints all her committees, and that's in process right now. But, look, uh, these are show votes on the House floor today. They have no bearing whatsoever. What we need Democratic leadership doing is coming up with a set of proposals that the president can agree with, and we can move this uh, agenda forward and get the people paid that should be working. We want TSA being paid. We want our air traffic controllers being paid. We want the people down at the Commerce Department processing the steel and aluminum tariff exemptions that we shouldn't even have, but those people are not at work. Uh, So all this is on the backs of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi for not doing the right thing on on, – uh, making proposals that the president can live with. Yeah, bottom None line. of these bills in the House are going to be voted on in the Senate. That's the other thing I think listeners ought to know, is even if we pass bills here in the House that don't adequately fund the government and send them over to the Senate, Mitch McConnell has told Leader Pelosi he's not going to take them up. Uh, and so it's just an exercise in, uh, you know, unnecessary act. Yeah, I I agree with that. Have you had a chance to meet Cortez yet? I have not. She's whenever I see her in the hallway, she's surrounded by fawning reporters. So I haven't had a chance to introduce myself to her. I I hope that I I hope that you get to ba- debate her sometime. I really <laughs> I really it would do. Be my pleasure. I I hear a rumor that she's trying to get on the House Financial Services Committee, and that would bring me bring bring me great pleasure. Oh. Goodness great! If that happens, I'll pl- anytime you two go head to head, I'll make sure I play it back here at home. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, stay stay in touch on this, and we need your listeners uh, supportive of full funding for yes. 
our governmental operations, but we also need them to recognize this common sense border security is the has been the policy of the United States for two decades, and it's being stymied purely uh, by the part of Democratic Party because they don't personally like President Trump. I find it very sad. All right. Well, I'll let you go, Congressman. I, I want to let everybody know this is something that will happen weekly now. You'll keep us up to date in what's going on in Washington so everybody knows without a filter what the truth is, and I appreciate that. Thanks, Dave. Best wishes to you, and again, Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year to you as well, Congressman, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday at about this same time. Uh, we're a little bit early today because uh, he was calling us from the cloakroom. Typically, he likes to use the switchboard that, through the Capitol that has a lot nicer sound, uh, but uh, couldn't do that today because they're voting on, as you heard him say, crap. <laughs> he didn't use that word. That's my word. Okay, I want everybody to understand that. But uh, just ridiculous stuff that they're voting on today. And did you hear what he said? He said Cortez is going to be, looks like, going to be on the committee with him. That'll be fun. And the bottom line is this. If he's on a committee with her, I will make sure when they have head-to-head discussions that we play them back for our folks right here in Arkansas because I'm sure that you'll be able to understand how dumb that woman really is. And it's not because she's a woman. It's just because of the woman that she is. Okay, a break, and then we'll come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, I've talked about what I thought of the president's speech. Thought he did a great job last night. Thought that he looked very presidential. Thought that he made a very clear uh, argument of where he stands and why he stands where he is dealing with border security and uh, whether it's a steel slat fence or a concrete barrier. Uh, a way of of stemming uh, people coming into this country illegally. Uh, And we're going to hear in just a moment from Graham. And, uh, you know, ever since, as I've talked about this, ever since McCain passed away, uh, Graham has become very, very strong. And uh, you'll hear what he had to say yesterday about the president's speech. PR Roofing Home Solutions excited to announce that it's acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. For customers of Tommy's Rest Assured, the PI Roofing Team plans to continue providing the highest quality gutter cleaning services at a great value to you. Uh, and with that recent purchase by PI Roofing Home Solutions, if you've been a customer or you are a customer of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services, you expect now to get more because Along with bringing you high-quality gutter cleaning services, the team at PI Roofing now offers you their great comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. You can learn more about all of that at piroofing.com. All right, I saw part of this uh, interview I'm going to play for you last night uh, on Fox News after the president's speech. Uh, but here is uh, Senator Graham and what he thought about what the president said. Joining us also now to react to the president's Oval Office address to the country tonight, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator Graham, uh, you've been around Congress a bit of time, and both in 2006, you were around yeah. when the Secure Fence Act was passed yeah. to build 700 miles of wall, which never happened. In 2013, uh, they allocated $46 billion for border security, $8 billion to build and repair and reinforce barriers at the border. Um, 
and I'm listening to Senator Schumer and Congresswoman Pelosi say this is a manufactured crisis. Would you say that to police officer Singh's family tonight or Pierce Corcoran's uh, mom and dad that were on this program last night or the families of victims of 4,000 homicide families? Would you say this is manufactured? It couldn't be more real to them. Um, this is the most presidential I've seen President Trump. It was compelling and everything he said was true. About 30% of the 2,200 miles of border has some form of barrier. There are already walls along the border. We just need to extend those walls where it makes sense. The one thing we have in common as a member of the Senate, Speaker of the House, uh, Minority Leader of the Senate, and President of the United States, we have a bunch of people guarding us with guns. It's pretty hard to get in the Capitol, really hard to get in the White House. All the president's saying is, I'd like to provide more security to the American people. It is a crisis, Sean. I've tried to be reasonable and practicable when it come, comes to immigration, and I'm flabbergasted to hear from my Democratic colleagues who have voted for billions of dollars in border security money that this is manufactured. Was it manufactured when Obama wanted the money? No. Why did you give the money to Obama and Bush if it was a manufactured crisis? Well, and I think if you look, Hillary Clinton supported it. Chuck Schumer supported it. Biden supported yeah. it. Obama supported it. Um, we have had in the last two weeks... Yeah. Really high-profile incidences. One is Officer Singh, yeah, and the, right. the other is this young man. His parents were on the show last night. Pierce Corcoran died, illegal immigrant, killed him right. in a drunk driving accident. And the question here is, when you add to that the human trafficking, the drug trafficking, right. and you add to that the violence at the border, and let's assume 98% of people across the border, which I believe are people that want more freedom and opportunity, right. But we got to ask ourselves, how many lives, how do you, yeah. if we lose 4,000 lives in the two-year period, is that a manufactured crisis? To my Democratic friends, how many caravans have to rush the border until you believe we have a problem? We have 300,000 people waiting for asylum claims to be adjudicated. We have 11,000 unaccompanied minors from Central America. It costs us $750 a day to house them. Only God knows what they go through to get here. Uh, illegal immigration is on the rise because our policies are attracting people here. Every Democrat you heard from tonight has voted for border security, but when it comes to Trump, they say no. So Nancy Pelosi says in the shutdown, Donald Trump says secure the border. How about this? Let's secure the border then in the shutdown. Let me ask you, Senator, it seems to come down to their argument is, and I know it is inconvenient for those furloughed <laughs> yeah. um, employees. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I acknowledge and I can sympathize with them. I know their checks are going to be yeah. delayed in some cases. and But it's a partial government shutdown. Essential services are up and yeah. running, and that constitutes, what, two-thirds to 70% of the government yeah. stays open. Yeah. Um, and I do want these people that have been furloughed to get back money, etc., but the point is, if the president doesn't take the stand here fully, do you right. see any other path that he can use that he will get the money to stop the crimes from happening on our southern border, the drug trafficking, human trafficking, some criminal elements that want to cross over our border? 
I've been dealing with this since 2006. This is the best chance I've seen to get a deal. The president made a compelling case tonight for more border security, and I think he uh, is right to ask for more money to secure our border. As to the government employees, I'm I'm sorry you're in the middle of this mess, but you'll get your back pay. You're going to be fully compensated. Miss Singh is not going to get her husband back. To all those people who have lost loved ones from illegal immigration, your loved ones are not coming back. So I'm bound and determined to see this thing through. There should be a deal where we secure the border, give the president the wall money he needs, and try to fix other problems like TPS reform and maybe do something for the DACA population. There's a deal to be had here, but it's hard to get a deal when people you're dealing with call you a racist because you want a border security wall, give you a dollar and say that's enough, accuse Border Patrol agents of gassing children when mobs run uh, toward our border. We're dealing with pretty radical people here, and we're never going to get a deal until the radicals are set to the side and we get reasonable people to deal with. You know, especially considering that it was supported by Democrats in the past, you're making a good point here. If people want to, as we know, abolish ICE, Kamala Harris actually said to the said former that. head of ICE, Tom Holman, suggested that, yeah. well, you know there's a perception that ICE is, at least in people's minds, perceived as the Ku Klux Klan. Um, <laughs> right, right. I, I was pretty stunned <laughs> that we would talk about brave law enforcement yeah. that way. But we also watched these officers get pelted with rocks and bottles. Yes. On two occasions, during the migrant caravan and on New Year's Eve, um, the bottom line is this. This is the question I think we need to ask tonight. Will the wall work? In Yuma, Arizona, the sheriff said it works. It works every time it's been tried. Well, it works in Israel. I can tell you, I've been dealing with border security issues for 10 years plus. Every time we build a physical barrier, the drug trafficking goes down, the illegal crossings go down. There's some places you don't need a physical barrier, but there's 700 miles of fencing has been authorized since 2006. We just want to build what we've already agreed to do. And so the bottom line is walls work, but you're dealing with a group of people who see their government as the problem. They see the border patrol agent as the problem, not the mob. They see the ICE agent as the problem, not the illegal immigrant they're trying to go after. They see walls that already exist as amoral, excuse me, immoral. You know what I think is immoral is to accuse people of trying to defend the nation honestly and working hard and putting their lives at risk of being the problem and not the coyote, not the drug dealer, not the terrorist. So if Democrats want to fight, they're going to get one. If they want to solve the problem, we'll do that too. It seems if we, and I want to know where your fellow Republican senators stand here, because if the argument of the Democrats is this is a manufactured crisis, well, that goes against the number of homicides in that two-year period and and sex offenses that have taken place in that two-year period and violent acts against Americans in that two-year period, then the drug and the human traffic. The question is here, we're talking about on the one hand, we're going to have some people that work for our government that are inconvenienced. I am sympathetic to that. I'm sorry about that. Yes, me too. But I'm also sympathetic to the parents that were on this program last night. I'm sympathetic to the five-month-old little boy of a police officer in California that will never see his father for the rest of his life. And I'm sympathetic to the victims of crime. Are your fellow Republicans willing to say life and death is more important than a delayed paycheck and inconvenience. 
I hope Republicans will remember, like most Democrats, you voted for $25 billion for border security funding in February of 2018. If it was not, if it's a manufactured crisis, Senator Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, why did you vote for a border security package less than a year ago that had $25 billion for border security, including wall money? To my Republican colleagues, this is the best chance we'll ever have to help President Trump get border wall funding, steel barrier funding, and at the same time fix the loopholes. The only way we lose is to give in. If we'll stand firm, put deals on the table that make sense, we will win this on behalf of the American people. But if we undercut the president, that's the end of his presidency and the end of our party, and we deserve to be punished if we give in now. In other words, as long as it takes, you believe you and your fellow senators are willing to stay and fight to stop drugs, human trafficking, and criminal activity from the small percentage of people that cross our border because it's unsafe and not secured. Before the end of this week, I intend to put legislation together that has wall funding like the president has requested and argue that we voted for the same thing in the past before he was president. I intend to put legal reforms on the table that we've all voted for. I intend to help the TPS population. About 400,000 people are going to lose their legal status. And I'm willing to entertain uh, uh, legal status for the DREAM Act population that we've all voted for. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take bills we've all voted for and see if they can be voted for under Trump. The problem is not the policy. The problem is that my Democratic friends don't acknowledge that President Trump won. That's the problem. Pretty good, huh? That's why I wanted to play it. Lindsey Graham kind of laying down the law there towards the Democrats. He's kind of been stepping up lately. Yeah, he's, you know, he used to be one of my least favorite senators. He's gotten a lot better, say the least. He's got, and it all happened after uh, Senator McCain died. Now, Senator McCain, I think, kind of because they were both military people, kind of controlled Lindsay a little bit. Hey, did you know there's uh, 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? And there's 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. Make matters worse, your government has told the Social Security Administration they are forbidden to offer you any personalized advice so you're really on your own unless you can go out and find somebody, for instance, of David Lucas's caliber to help you out. Uh, no wonder there's a good answer to this question. Why is $10 billion in benefits for Social Security, Social Security going unclaimed every year? Well, learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits. Get yourself an up-to-date guide to Social Security. Get it from David Lucas. He's hosted a David Lucas show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, Saturdays, 10 a.m. again at uh, 3 p.m. to get your free guide to Social Security. Be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. You don't want to leave a whole bunch of money on the table uh, that's yours uh, and rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, so next hour, starting off the uh, top of the hour, right at 6 after, after we get done having the news and uh, weather and whatnot, 
Uh, Senator Bozeman will join us from Washington, D.C., and we'll talk to the senator about uh, the president's speech and, more importantly, and I don't know how up on this he is, but the meeting that happened today uh, at the White House and where uh, the Democrats didn't even want to talk about any kind of negotiation. You know, it's very true. You can't have a negotiation uh, if only one side is offering anything. The other side just keeps saying, no, there's no negotiation there. And uh, that's what happened today. I mean, uh, the president asked Nancy if if he opened up the government, is she willing to help uh, fund the wall and talk about it, negotiate in it, good, good faith? And she said, no, no wall, no uh, border security. Well, bottom line, the president said, okay, and he walked out of the room. There's no reason to stay there. There is no reason to stay there and talk. She's already said no. Everything you bring up will be no. They've already gotten to other aspects of this whole thing about border security, about the humanitarian side and all of that. And uh, they've put, put all of that together. But if they're not going to negotiate on the main uh, reason that they're supposedly negotiating, there's no reason to meet. And like I said, after you saw how the Democrats were last night after the president's speech, and as you saw them today with Steny Hoyer and, and uh, Schumer and Pelosi, here's what they did. They became the poster children for the shutdown. It's on them. Better come back with something for real or this is all going to hang around their necks. All right, let's get our break in, and then we'll come back and uh, have the news, and then Senator Bozeman will join us from Washington, D.C., here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're waiting for uh, Senator Bozeman, our senior uh, senator here from Arkansas. Give us a ring, and uh, we'll get him on, and we've got uh, about a half hour to spend with him, a lot of things that we can talk about. A lot of things going on in, in, in his uh, uh, neck of the woods that we'll want to speak on and uh, see what he has to say. I see it looks like he's calling in right now, and we can spend some time talking about it. I mean, a lot of people don't keep up with a lot of the things that are going on with uh, the the senator. I mean, right now people are thinking about the shutdown, border security. We want to talk about all of those things today. Uh, the National Journal recognized Senator Bozeman as a member having sponsored the largest number of bills that were signed into law, five of them. Uh, the only members who've had more of their legislation uh, signed into law are uh, Con- uh, Corn- Cornyn, uh, Chuck Grassley, former Congressman Barbara Comstock, and Congressman Don Young. Uh, just remember, he got these bills passed and signed. In the law, passage of the Forever GI Bill Housing Payment Fulfillment Act. Uh, As chairman of the Senate Military Construction, Veterans Affairs, and Related Agencies Appropriations Subcommittee, the senator authored legislation that funds military construction and veterans programs for fiscal year 2019. Um, One that I talked about a lot when it was first uh, 
uh, conceived and watched it go through the committee process and and get through the meat grinder that we call uh, you know the Capitol uh, and uh, got passage got passage and, and was made into law the securing uh, required funding for water infrastructure now uh, that modernizes critical water infrastructure especially for small rural communities that are often unable to afford upgrades to their wastewater and drinking water systems the things that uh, the uh, the uh, the senator has worked on are bills that are important to uh, small town arkansas i mean it's real difficult to get a lot of things done in little tiny towns building a water treatment plant is expensive and people need help doing those type of things and senator do you be to congratulate it that most of the things that you work on are for small town uh, Arkansans. Oh, thank you, Dave. And you know, it's just everybody working together, trying to get these things done. And uh, we were blessed, and uh, you know, it all, all fell in place with a lot of these things. One thing, though, that that you know, the other thing that you do is you work, and then you're able to take a bill and then stick it into a much bigger bill. And uh, I think the one that I'm most proud of is was working with uh, one of my Democratic uh, colleagues. To There was a situation where veterans that were injured in combat, uh, they are allowed, they're given a stipend. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a stipend that they're given uh, once they uh, sustain significant injury. And it turned out that uh, this was supposed to be tax-free, and uh, our government charged taxes on it, and as a result, it greatly lessened the stipend. And so this was against the law, and, and so we said, what's the deal? And they said, well, you know, it, it doesn't amount to anything, and, uh, no. you know, it's too hard to fix it. You know, typical typical whatever. So we were able to go back and, and make them uh, follow the law and, and give that back, and in some cases really amounted to, uh, you know, several hundred uh, in the thousands of dollars. So, uh, you know, for this group that uh, doesn't have a lot of money to begin with, that you know, those are little things that mean a lot to, to families. And that's really what it's all about. The, the nice thing about what I do and the rest of the delegation, and we do work together very, very well, is making it such that, uh, you know, you use the power of the office for good to try and help people. That's really what it's all about. Now, here's the key. Let me ask you, uh, Senator, how about I write to the IRS and tell them, uh, you know, I really can't afford my taxes this year. And really, when you look at it, it's a very insignificant amount in the trillions of dollars that the federal government gets. So I wouldn't be sending yeah. them a check this year. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what would happen to you, Dave, is, is some of our, our listeners understand when they get in situations where the IRS most of the time, many times, uh, because of their own uh, messing up, uh, they simply just withdraw it from your account. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how they handle that. Is yeah, you're right. We don't really buy into that argument, but yeah. but you sure don't see it going the other way. And, no. and again, <laughs> with this very special group of uh, veterans, you know, veterans that had been injured, uh, you know, there's simply no excuse for that. I, I agree, and you're to be commended. And you're to com- be commended that you worked with a Democrat, uh, to get that money back to the the rightful owners of that money. Yeah, no, that's 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 right. And and these there's, I'm excited about the next Congress. You know, we talk about getting things done. There's there's a lot of things like this that really are. You know, 
a veteran, an injured veteran, you know, that's not a, a Democrat or Republican thing. That's something that uh, we can all jump on and, and work hard to fix. And so uh, I think that there's room for a lot of uh, things like this to get done in the next Congress. Hopefully so. Probably the biggest thing uh, that is on everybody's radar as far as bipartisanship goes because everybody's looking at the shutdown and looking at the wall and all that right now. We're going to talk about that before I let you go. But the bottom line is uh, the infrastructure of the country, that will be a a large thing that you and the Democrats will uh, fashion something out of of what you have and uh, make sure that some of our roads get fixed that need to be fixed. I hope so. That that is a an area that traditionally uh, Democrats and Republicans have worked together well. I was on the Transportation Committee in the House and now on the Environment and Public Works Committee, the Public Works part of that. Democrats and Republicans get, get along very well. In fact, uh, we passed a big highway bill uh, a couple of Congresses ago, a very sweeping uh, five-year program. The two people that got that done were Jim Inhofe and Barbara Boxer. And uh, Barbara Boxer from wow. California, Jim from uh, Oklahoma, they have absolutely nothing in common. You're right about uh, that. Politically. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, you know. You know better than anybody. You probably interviewed Jim, uh, you know, sometimes when you're up here. Oh, yeah. Not, we need to get you with him. He's he's a, uh, a remarkable guy. But what they did believe in it was that the nation needed to be, spend some money on its infrastructure. And that goes back to the earliest Congresses spending money on the post roads and things like that. So uh, them working together, uh, were, they were actually the ones that were, were able to get that passed to a large degree. Well, let's talk about uh, the 800-pound gorilla right now, shall we, uh, oh, Senator? Sure. Yeah, the, the the after this, the 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 president's speech last night, and I thought he did an excellent job. I thought he did a very very good job. And then you had Schumer and you had uh, Pelosi up there, and boy, did they look out of place uh, last night on television. I, I won't ask you to say anything about it. I've said enough already about it. But bottom well, I line, think that's I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. And so you tell you tell me, have you heard what went on at the White House today? You know, I really didn't. I had I had uh, the Republicans had lunch together, and the president and vice president, and then the Secretary of Homeland uh, Security came over, and he the president spoke to us at lunch, and he indicated that they were going to meet this afternoon yeah. and made it a point to say that they were the ones that had asked for the meeting, you know, that he didn't, that they had called and said, can we come over and talk to you? So I don't, I don't know, you know, exactly what I've been busy with other things as it's come about, but, uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, they basically came over and said, we want to do this or that. And, and, uh, what he wants to do is, is keep his campaign promise, uh, he feels like, and, and he made it very clear at lunch, and I, I think he's correct in in, in his reasoning. Uh, you know, the, the number one thing, his number one duty, we as a Congress, we as a nation, is national security, yep. defending the homeland. And he feels very strongly that this is about defending the homeland, uh, that we're a nation of laws, and uh, we have to be in a situation, especially now, we're a nation at war, 
knowing who's coming uh, into the country, uh, with, and then you've got the illegal immigration problem, and then you've got this drug uh, war that is, is literally a war on the other side of the border that uh, we don't want spilling in any more than it has into our country. So the areas that he's picked out uh, to, to start this are the most uh, narcotic-trafficked areas and the most uh, uh, areas of uh, human trafficking. And, and they have this thing, and this is probably more than you want to know about it, Doug, but they have this thing called vanishing time where you can literally be on one side of the border and then within a, a couple minutes be in a in a major area in a city. And so it's very difficult to apprehend people you know, where there's a lot of people around and stuff. It's dangerous for the border guards and the citizens. So what you try and do is, is fence those areas put up a wall, and, and again, these are see-through structures so that the border guards can see on the other side, see what's going on, but uh, and then force them out more into the countryside where it's, it's safer and easier to apprehend. So there's a lot that goes into it. A big portion of, of this expense, you say, well, gosh, that's so much money. But in order to, when you start building uh, a wall, uh, you need you have to get there when you when you know that the response is going on. You put the sensors and you know you you know somebody is is scaling the wall. Or there's a problem in there. You have to get there. So you have to put in the road and the infrastructure there. And a lot of this area that uh, is going on right now is in Texas, and you have to uh, you have to work with the landowners and either use eminent domain or, or, or purchase the, the property outright in order to get that property. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of expense. But it is something that, that simply needs to be done. Well, I, you know, I, um, I'm not sure if this is true or not. I saw it in a news story, but they said that the amount of money the president is asking, what is it, $5.8 billion, is enough money to keep the government running for 18 hours. Uh, well, in the big, you know, certainly that's a lot of money, and in the big scheme of things, as you say, you know, compared to the our budget, uh, it really is a fairly it's it's a small sum of money. Yeah, it, it really really is. And uh, the Democrats showed up. The president asked them if I opened the government. He asked Nancy Pelosi specifically. Uh, this is what the vice president said. Uh, during the news conference they had after it was all over with. Schumer made it sound like the president slammed his his, uh, hands on the desk and propelled himself up and stormed out of the room. It's not what happened at all, according to uh, Scalise and others. But the bottom line is that the the president asked Nancy Pelosi, if I open up the uh, government, get it on fast track, get it opened again, in 30 days, can we get some money for border security in the wall? She said no. He said nothing else to talk about then. Yeah, and and I think that's fair uh, in the sense that, that, you know, it's just one side refusing to negotiate. So, you know, why why go through the motions? Yeah, why sit uh, there? And, and again, this is a president, and you have to respect him in the sense that, that this is a guy that said, if you elect me, I'm going to build a wall mm-hmm. so that we we as for the reasons I just said. You know, uh, we need we need to protect our border. This is a matter of national security. It's defending the homeland, and sure enough, he's you know he's 
following through with that. Uh, we've had presidents for decades. Uh, probably every every president that uh, you know that as long as I've been alive has talked about moving the uh, the uh, um, capital of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. uh, capital of Israel, to Jerusalem. He campaigned on that, said, I'm going to do it. Norm, every president has done that, uh, you know, for, for decades. And then, you know, they get in, they say, well, you're going to aggravate this part of this group or that group. And right. So didn't, sure didn't enough, do it. You know, he gets in and he moves the capital to Jerusalem. I and mean, guess he, what? There's, a, there's not blood running in the streets <laughs> in the Middle East no, either. That, that's, that's exactly right. And so you do have to, to give him credit for that in the sense that he is – He's trying to live up to his campaign mm-hmm. promises, and and those are the thing. These are things that uh, uh, you know truly are are overwhelmingly popular uh, uh, amongst the people of uh, not only Arkansas but throughout the country. Yeah, I, and you know this whole thing. Uh, I think that what the Democrats were successful in doing last night, uh, and then this afternoon, is that they have shown that they own the shutdown now of the government, not the Republicans. I'm not saying that the press is going to say this, but they own it now. It is theirs. They're the, they're the holdup on this now uh, of not getting the government back up and functioning. No, it's time to negotiate. And, and, and I do think that the president is willing to negotiate. He wants yep. $5.6 billion, and, and you know they need to come back with a counter. And, and maybe, maybe uh, you know, you recognize that, that uh, part of that is for building the uh, the fencing, building the the structure there. But but also, uh, they don't seem to mind uh, border security for other areas. So, you know, recognize the fact that a good portion of this money, probably as much as the wall itself, is going to be spent on land acquisition and uh, building roads. And then also the sensor apparatus that you need to to use the modern technology that that it all works together. Yeah, I, the barrier is the only thing that stops somebody stone cold, though. I mean, that that's the key about it. I mean, if we're going to use, you know, we want to use drones like the Air Force has and have Stinger missiles on it, that's a different story. But I'm I'm not expecting that to come up at any time soon for border security. No, the the it's 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 really a combination. You 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 do have to have the physical border. I'll tell you something else, Dave. I, I've been down to the border on several occasions. For a year, I was actually the chairman of the Homeland Security Subcommittee on Appropriations. That that's right in the middle of this now. And mm-hmm. then uh, went to to veterans and military construction a year ago. Uh, but but when you go down and you talk to the border guards, probably the area where the most uh, fencing is at is in uh, California. Yeah, right and around San Diego. Exactly. And when you talk to those people you know, on, on the ground there, they will tell you that the property values have gone up, skyrocketed, because in the old days you'd have hundreds of people standing around you know, on, on this, this literally you know, very, very flimsy uh, border just, just kind of marking, waiting, you know, for a border guard to turn his head, and then they'd run into town. And you can imagine, with all of that going on, uh, nobody wanted to live there. You know, nobody wanted to live in that area. And so, put the fence up. It stopped all that. Uh, property values go up. Uh, you know, it's good for everyone. And then the other thing was, they said that in that sector, 
they needed a hundred less border guards as a result of these, uh, you know, these this significant fencing that keeps people out. So uh, there's all kinds of reasons, like you say, it really does it does the job, and uh, that's really what we're looking for. I got you. Well, Senator, I've held you enough. We're going to uh, work no. out with Sarah to have you back on as yeah, often as no, we can. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to your to your john up here whenever that's going to be well we'll try to get up for cpac i know i'll be there for hold their feet to the fire but cpac would probably be the next time we'll get there if we do come on over our feet to the fire and that's not a bad thing (laughs) all right we'll talk to you later senator thank Thank you you very much senator bozeman here on the uh, the dave ellswick show quick break then we're back we'll finish up this half hour duck will be here shortly and he'll be in with us from about 4 35 until six o'clock talking car all right let's uh get to the news we got to do that duck is here and he'll be joining us in the next half hour and then uh, the following hour as well as we'll talk about cars a lot of a lot of things a lot of things to talk about to to do with that uh another story came out today russ something we were mentioning earlier on in the in the show about the uh how many people coming across the border illegally are coming across uh, and carrying diseases, parasites, all kinds of things. And uh, the CDC now has gotten involved very, very seriously on the border because of the number of cases of uh, tuberculosis that they're bringing across, mumps, rubella. You know, all of these are like diseases that here in the United States – we worked hard to eradicate, and now these people are are uh, sneaking into our country and are bringing these diseases with them. Not a good thing at all. So, yeah, there's a reason why you want to be able to check on the people who are trying to get in uh, to our nation. So, Doc will be with me in just a moment. Joe won't be here. He's on vacation an early vacation he, oh he's out cruising well i know how much he likes that here's the news all right back with you here on the dave ellswick show oh, uh, duck is here and it's good to have him here and uh, he's from duck's garage duck godsey okay we're finding a pair of headphones that work here if you only get one side that's okay one side's good. Think of, whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, <laughs> all I could hear was this whooping noise. Whooping. Okay. That's that's uh, technical issues. Yeah. Term. Uh, you know, terminology here in radio. There we go. Okay. I can hear you now, now. He's now he's good. Okay. So, uh, Duck is here. Joe is out cruising. Now I know he's doing that. <laughs> Because he loves his wife, because he doesn't Calls him like, Susie. He does not like cruising. Nah, he, I think him me, and the ship don't get along too no, good. He's told, well, yeah, that's because it's not. He doesn't get sick or anything. He's got the same problem I do. There's only so much you can walk up and down that ship and not go absolutely crazy. For you can make the long. circle ten times a day, and it all still looks the same. It still looks identical. Now you might get to see. You know, a porpoise out there in in the ocean or whatever. Uh, my favorite time is breakfast. Get to eat breakfast. Get lunch. to eat lunch. <laughs> and supper. And then supper. And then you a go, snack after. And then you head out to the theater and get to see the show at night. 
Yep. And then typically I'm heading back to my cap. <laughs> and I'm going to sleep. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to just gamble. I'm not a gambler. Nah. Not a big gambler. So <laughs> I just have problems figuring out what I'm going to do. And there's only so many overweight women and men that I want to see by the pool. Yeah, me too. I'm overweight. So I'm one of them. Yeah, so. but I'm just saying, man. There's some people that wear speedos, guys that you know shouldn't be. They come, you know, well, they come from Europe, and it's like that's the way they want to look. And it's like, oh my god, come on, dude. really? Yeah, take a lawnmower to that back. That's <laughs> <laughs> nasty. That's just nasty looking, dude. All right, so you were showing me some pictures uh, when you came on about. Uh, a wreck, wreck yesterday. Yeah, at the right there at the one sixteen mile marker. Okay, what's that close to? It's right there by where they built all the new, uh, uh, the Benton Event Center and all that stuff. Okay. Right there by the. It's right before you get uh, to the where they have the, the Slane County Fair. Okay. All right, and that I the first thing that came out of my mouth is that the guy die because I'm telling you that cab of that truck was tore. Uh, nothing left of the cab yeah, nothing I mean, the only thing up. is left dave is the driver's seat where he was sitting this guy opened what was left of the door and crawled through the bushes and stood up and walked up and got hamlets amazing you said you just had some cut, they, cuts and bruises. bruised his right leg up they they put him in intensive care overnight just to make sure he had no internal injuries and nothing right. like that but when i talked to the state trooper this afternoon he said he, he was going home from the hospital he was waiting on his his family would come pick him up wow uh, the little girl that he hit in the back end um he demolished that chevrolet pickup i'm talking about put the bed up on top of the cab he he was running about Bent 70 when he hit yeah broke the frame rail right behind the cab wow and she walked away she said the only thing was hurting on her was her shoulder now her they finally made her go to the hospital and they kept her in there overnight just to and they should should have been kept overnight well, just sure. to look at just as you know, because you could have internal injuries, or you know, you could have rattled your brain around in your head. Because she was a little you're bit going to be in shock when something like that. Happens. Yeah, in about three days, she's going to be where she can't move to. Yeah, she's going to be sore because it it slung her around like a rag doll in that truck. I mean, it it knocked the truck. He hit him and knocked her about seventy five or eighty foot, or pushed her down the road, and then spun her off, and she went down in the ditch and hit hit some little old trees, and then he run off and hit a tree about a three foot through tree dave he pulled it up by the roots i mean he actually he hit it so hard that the, the 18 wheeler just wrapped around it all the way to the back of the cab of the sleeper oh my god and the, you know so all this stuff went right by him sitting in the seat and he got some cuts and stuff and bruises but you know the good lord had his hands around him dave so all you if can you say can walk away from something like that without any <clears throat> broken bones or anything and his biggest concern Holy was he cow. was covered with diesel fuel and that's why he wanted out of the truck because he's afraid and it, catch i don't fire, know how it yeah. did catch a fire because it it knocked the motor probably 10 feet in front of motor and transmission all that stuff it blowed the front of the trailer out and all wow. that stuff in there went out on the ground it's how hard when he hit that tree i mean it's we started to, uh they started unloading it about three o'clock yesterday and they got it finished about eight last night and we started pulling it out you know pulling it getting it back up on the road to get it moved and uh we got through about 10 o'clock last night good grief. then they went back this morning and finished cleaning they they got the they got to come out and dig to dig all the bank of the interstate up and haul all the dirt away because he had 
it busted both fuel tanks i showed you a picture of the tractor that's yeah. we loaded we loaded the parts of the tractor up on the trailer the tractor you can't there's no way you can pull it i mean it's we piled the you know loaded the truck what was left of the truck and then piled everything else in front of it that's amazing I mean, it looked like a bomb went off in front of it yeah and then i the, the thing that i said is that a lot of people do not realize that a lot of the technology that they use today like in uh you know stock car racing open wheel racing and things of that nature they the car makers have adapted that a lot of that to it and it it saves people's lives and if and if dave if you look now any truck is manufactured at i think it's uh 2017 or maybe or late 2016 2017 somewhere along there all the seat belts and 18 wheelers will be orange now why is that so the state trooper can see if you got it on Oh, really? Exactly. A new visual. So your friend down there, <laughs> your friend the, down in Benton, who sits out there watching for people not wearing, they're going to make new, sure you put yours on all the time. And I'm sure they implemented this on 18-wheelers. It ain't going to be long. They're going to implement it on vehicles, Well, too. sure. Of course they will. Uh, they're, you know, this was a test project to see if it, you know, how good it works. And every one of the state troopers that I've talked to about it, uh, they all like it. Well, he said, of course they said, do. Well, <laughs> some of them don't do that. Some of them don't write them tickets, Dave. You know, but they say the main thing is, you know, if they do one of them wreck, then we know if he had his seatbelt on or not. And know mm-hmm. the, you know, so it it's wonderful. I wear mine. The day he caught me, I was on the phone with Draft Tree Service trying to. Uh, he had a fuel leak on a truck, and he was sending me a picture, and I was trying to explain to him over the telephone hey they're sitting in a woman's yard and it wouldn't start and i told him you know i was telling him what to do i just forgot to put it on even when the cop walked up to me and said hey uh i i said what do you stop me for because i mean i just pulled out on the road so i knew it wouldn't yeah. speed he said you ain't got your seatbelt." i kind of looked down like yeah i don't have it on and yeah. then he says well i see you out here all the time i know you wear it so why did he give you a ticket he could give you a warning that was his job that day yeah yeah making money making money for the state exactly i paid the fine i paid the 101 dollars and 20 something cents for the fine and how much again 101 dollars and 26 cents or 28 cents or see that just irritates now you got me irritated well what irritates (laughs) me is i can ride a motorcycle up down the interstate without a helmet on with no seatbelt on yeah i get in a car that i got protection around me you know but I understand the law. I understand why it's there, because the federal government gives them money for wearing seatbelts. Yeah, and, that's what it is. You know, it's sure not because they're worried about your protection. No, I, I understand it, and I understand the, the reason why. And I, I just paid, the, you know. Um, I got some good friends that's in the police business, and they said, give me the ticket, we'll. I said, no, 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 it's okay. If I'm going to use my favor, I'm going to use it for something besides a seatbelt yeah, ticket. Something real serious when I, you know, I they, decide to drive 150 miles an hour down the interstate. Well, first thing, i got to have something to run that fast. <laughs> All vehicles nowadays shut off at 97 mile an hour. Have you seen – there's a lot of cars out now. You Their speedometers say 160. 160. I mean, I, that's what my charger said back in, in the day. That it go up, and I got it. I pegged it out one time. And it was still growling. Yeah, but that's back Scared when they me. didn't have all the ECMs and all that stuff and computer control stuff. You know, you can, just like my 2018 truck, I can go in there and program that out of it. 
I can go in and program where when you drop it in gear and move two foot forward, it locks all the doors. Uh-huh. All that's programmable. I mean, you can you can program all that out of it if you know what you're doing, you know how to do it, and you got the right computer stuff. You know, it, it's uh, but there again, I, you know, I don't I I kind of like it because I got a bad heavy foot. <laughs> so well, you've seen me walk. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'll be one of the first ones to admit. But now I have been because you know I drive an SUV. If I drive it at 69 miles an hour, I get really good gas mileage. My truck about 73 is where I get. I get. I can get 21, 22 at 73. So that's what I do now when I'm driving home. I set my cruise at 69, and I drive down the road. Now 69 is, you know, keeps me out of trouble, but. I'm still passing a lot of cars out on the road. Oh yeah, yeah. At sixty nine, you're still going, you know, going on by people. And I, I've over the last couple of years, I've tried to keep my foot off of it. Try but if if I go from here to Hardy, <laughs> I when I get past Jacksonville, I said when I get past Cabot where they're doing the construction, yeah, I set the cruise on seventy two. There you go. Because if I don't set the cruise, next thing I know, I look down, I'm running ninety. So. So now when you go to Hardy, uh, what you're doing is you go up there to where you get off to go to uh, Bald Knob. But yeah. Instead of turning right to Bald Knob, you go left. I turn left and That's go to Baseball. 167, yeah. right? Yeah, I go 167 all the way to Ash Flat. Then you stay on. Oh, I love Ash you, Flat. You go straight on places. through Ash Flat in front of Walmart. And from Walmart to my uh, cabin is uh, 13 miles, I think, or oh, okay. 10 miles. It's not very far because – but uh you know it's you're right out there just past what cherokee is that what that's uh, yeah i'm about two miles past cherokee on the right okay um me and my little brother got some land up there and and we deer hunt on it and we go up there and spend the summertime some up there you know it ain't nothing fancy but i got all don't have to be get out there and your uh, (laughs) cell phone probably doesn't work real well it's a way to get away well there was one stand that i had and i wanted to move it I took my cell phone and turned it on, and I walked around down there till I lost signal. <laughs> and I took and put a rock there, and I told my brother, and we went down there to move it. And where you want to put it at? Well, right where that rock is. <laughs> Russell was with me, Blake was with us, and Tim was with me. And so I hooked it to the tractor because all my stands were they're on slit on skid, so you can slide them. That's the way I built them. Oh, very smart. And we moved it over, and a couple of days later, we was up for a deer hunting. My little brother come in, and he said. Do you know you ain't got no cell phone service at that stand no more? <laughs> I said, what do you think that rock was on the ground yeah, for? Yeah, there you go. That's he said, I guess you was up there walking around. I said, I had my phone out holding it. But you can walk five feet from the stand, you got good cell phone service. But Nobody kind of, can reach you then. It's kind of peace and quiet. I yes, can take me is. a nap, especially on a rainy day. Absolutely. You reach down there and turn that little heater on and prop your feet up over in the corner and lay the gun up there on the shelf and go on to sleep yeah there, there's no there's no deer hunting going on at that moment <laughs> ross i'm just telling you he's, oh i'm looking he's, he's gonna sno- he's gonna be snoring and keeping them away i'm, I'm checking the back side of my eyelids dave make yeah. sure they don't get rusted up or nothing yeah, you make sure there's no holes in those eyelids that's what it is all right let's get a break it's uh, about 13 minutes till five duck is here i promise we'll get into uh talking about cars you got a question eight two three oh nine six five eight two three zero nine six five and you can talk directly here uh to the man himself uh duck will answer any of your car questions and if you have diesel questions he's definitely guy the guy 
you want to talk to. All right, back with you. Duck is here. Duck's Garage over in Benton. Tell them where you're at, Duck, so they know exactly how to get to you. I'm at 1511 Airlane Drive. If you come down the interstate and get off and turn left by Holland Baptist Church, I'm about half a mile down on the right. You can't miss me. I got a red awning on the building. It's a tan building. You don't have no problem finding me. All you got to do is look for the trucks. Yeah, well, as soon as I get uh, some stuff paid off, I'm going to come see uh, Russell. Because evidently, Russell is the headlight guy. Yeah, he he put some in his truck, and I don't allow him to follow me no more. I got to get those. I I, I don't know what they are. I'm going to fight back legally. (laughs) I'm just saying, last night I was heading down 5 and uh, heading towards 89, and somebody came over the hill there and had a had some of those led lights that's what his is and i thought those suck i i swore that he was had his head his uh, high beams on so i just flashed at him and he flashed his high beams and was like oh my lord Uh, russell was following me one day we was going somewhere and i called him on the phone i said would you turn the bright lights off he said they're on them you may turn them on bright he kicked them on bright oh man and the sun i don't know up, what huh? they are but they're he gets them from somewhere i don't know where he gets them from but didn't you say he gets through bumper to bumper yeah they're through bumper to bumper and i don't i don't know what they are or what he buys but there's some they're the brightest headlights i ever seen well i'm i'm sold on the leds i mean i wasn't and i thought nah i'm not gonna put them on my car and then I, I had to use a rental car when I went to Florida, and it had them. And I'm going to tell you, it makes all the difference in the world at night when you know, you're driving down the road. And especially today, we're getting older. Eyesight ain't near as good as it used to be. Now, you may be getting older. I am not. I am getting better. I'm just 39. I'm, I'm just like wine. I get better with age. And speaking of that, <laughs> I have a little wife at home. Okay. She turned 62 today. Did she? She the day's her birthday, and I want to wish her happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, absolutely. She's, she's had a little bit of hard time with it this week, and but just today I talked to her a couple of times, and she's in a whole lot better move. So, see, here's my I don't have problems with birthdays. All it means is I went around the sun one more time. <laughs> I, it's in my book, Dave. It's just another day. Yeah, you know, and, and you know what? As you get older, it's nice to have another day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly but i look at it you know so honey i just want to wish you a happy birthday i know you're listening so happy birthday to you okay so you're ready for her to slap you upside the head now for telling everybody yeah. what her age is she don't dave i've been married to her for 42 it's 42 or 43 years so wow that don't bother me we've been together she's 19 years old when you got married we was no we was both 18 when we got married wow very cool you know she well we was just fixed we was going we would have turned 18 you know i mean 19 you know the the next year when we got married so but we've been boy and girlfriend for a long time in school yeah so what are you doing for uh honeymoon this year i mean last year you guys went out to colorado and all kinds of places uh that's her decision that's just like her birthday i told her where you gonna go eat she said i'll tell you later on in the day has she called you yep Okay, so you know where you're going? Yeah, we're going to Applebee's. That's where she wants to go. Applebee's is a good place to eat. So, you, you know, can have fun. I mean, I'm sure I'll have to take her and do something else later on. But Just because someplace is really expensive <laughs> doesn't mean the food's good. So that's where I she wants to go. I found that a long so time ago. Russell and Ashley and a couple other people are going with us. And 
oh cool uh blake him and his girlfriend they got they've already got something planned for the night something she works she does something at work on tuesday on wednesday nights so it's okay i told them all you better call them wish a happy birthday don't y'all gonna be in trouble don't miss that missing somebody's birthday in your family is tantamount if you're married by the way of missing your anniversary i believe oh i have that's not good oh it cost me <laughs> i bet it did i got in deep trouble i bet it does about 10 o'clock at night i got in deep trouble uh-huh. when i didn't realize that see the thing is Dave, my dad's birthday was on the 29th we got married on the 30th his birthday is on the 29th i called him that day and wished him happy birthday oh he never bothered to say well yesterday was my birthday yeah i thought i was safe there you go about 10 o'clock at night she she showed me the calendar so all right so let me uh let me ask you i want to make sure everybody understands you can get those type of leds from bumper to bumper you just need to talk to somebody at a bumper to bumper certified they service will center. have to order them for your vehicle okay it's what russ what russell explained to me so they can get them for you or the bumper to bumper certified service center can get them for you and they'll put them in correctly and do everything for you but that's what makes bumper to bumper good folks to work with yes sir they and like i say uh, they don't keep them in stock because there's so many different ones of them uh, but they usually get them overnight, so you know they ain't no problem to get them. And they're good headlights. But if you're going to replace them, you have to replace both of them. Okay. They had to come in a pair to be put in. You know, but it, you don't want to put one bright one in and one dim one in anyway, because <laughs> people people have ill manners. Boy, that to would you. drive people nuts yes. coming towards you. But I tell you something else, Dave. We've run into the last few days. What's that? Bad fuel. Okay, well, let's talk about that in the next hour. Bad fuel. Let's do that. we got to get a break in here. News is coming your way. Don't miss it. And then uh, Duck and I will be back for the following hour. And don't miss that. You'll learn some things by listening to Duck about your, uh, you know, your diesel or your gas burner. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, well, it's the final hour of a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than it was on Monday day. And you got to like that. It's going to be a little bit chillier tonight. Did they say how low it was going to get tonight? 36, I think. is what yeah, okay. I was going to say, somewhere in the mid-30s. We're supposed to get some kind of, a little bit of mix coming up Friday uh, night. It's going to stay north of us. Good. That's you what can, I say. Can, Thank I, goodness. I, I don't want ice. I don't want snow. I'd be happy if the low temperature would stay right around 42, 30, 43, 38. 42, you know, 43, as long as I don't have to 45. worry about ice, and I don't have to worry about snow. Yep. If I didn't have to worry about it where I had to drive in it, that'd be great. I could, if I could go and I could uh, hang out in it for a week <laughs> where it is uh, four feet deep and fluffy yeah, and all nice no, and I'd pretty, be, yeah, I'd be that all would about be that. cool. Yeah. Go yeah. to a ski resort. Drop me and kick me off, and, I'll, and yeah. I everything I got, I need there. Go have nice meals. Cabin with a roaring fire. That's it. Sit around the happy. fireplace. Look out. Shoot anybody who walks across my lawn. <laughs> or anything that comes across your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be all right. Moose. Elk. I would love it. Yeah, boy. Yeah. That, that's something that's on my bucket list. People always ask what's on your bucket list. You know what might come on my bucket No. I'm on my bucket list, it's flying to Colorado and going elk hunting, where you go out and you ride on the horses out to where. Don't you go to Wyoming. 
and and Wyoming does it as well. Yeah, and uh, they got a big tent out there that you Western stay Wyoming, in. Western Wyoming, man, Northwestern Wyoming. They say uh, I want to try that. Uh, I got some friends that went out there a few years ago. Yeah, he said they it's basically just take your pick. He said now you may have to walk three or four miles to get to them. But he said, you know, and uh, that's... that's well, see, there's no walking involved here. This is you get on your well, horse in the uh, morning and you ride out there. Well, the, you know, the, or they stayed out in the, out in the wilderness. Yeah, I mean, that's where they say it. They had a cook tent and yeah. you know, sleep tent and everything. I'm all and for it. I'm, I'm into was, that. He was telling me, Dave, he was up there one day and he said that day it was about 65, 70 degrees. He was all walking around in short sleeve shirts. Holy cow. And said they... About nine o'clock at night, they went to bed. Got up in the morning; it was all snow. He said it was about a foot and a half of snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah. He said he woke up and he said, "Man, it's quiet. I, I didn't have enough clothes on me or no sleeping bag on me." Yeah. Said no boy was cooking breakfast. Told him he said, "Yeah, we got a little bit of snow last night." <laughs> well, it gets, and you know the way you can tell that snow fell, it's quiet. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, real quiet. All the noise gets sucked up by all that snow, yeah, and it absorbs just, it. It's wonderful, man. It's great. So that that's my big, you know, one of my bucket list things. The other one, and look, don't send me emails, all right? Because you're not going to change my mind. I want to go to Africa and go hunting. I want to I want to get over for some big game hunting. For all of you, say why? Why would you want to kill poor old lion or something? Well, because they're old and they're going to get pushed out of their, you know, domain. Their, yeah, out of their group, and uh, they're going to starve to death. So better that they get a clean shot from me and be done i i I mean i'd like to go to africa deer hunting i mean you know any kind of hunting down there yeah but my next bucket list and that i'm going to go on as uh we're me and a couple other guys we're planning a trip go back bear hunting but we're going oh yeah you did that already we're going to uh ottawa and uh go up in the northern part of of colorado i mean northern part of canada again. going up there towards yukon yeah and they say that the the bears are plentiful in there they go four and five and six hundred pounds up there they said you know if you if and and this is the key if you're going to do something like that you got to make sure you got enough money that you can get the bear skinned get the skin processed correctly and stuff and have yourself a bear skin rug or well, a, a cover for your bed or something in canada you can't bring it back with you anyway. If you had, if you, I mean, if you kill a, uh, like when I went, I want, I want a big enough bear to make me a rug. Yeah. With the head on it. Yeah. I, I want it with the head on it. And the paws and, and, uh, and claws on it. Yeah. And the, up there is, <laughs> as long as it's tanned, Dave, you can bring it back in the United States. But it has to be tanned and processed there. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. And it's, and I asked the guy for where we went and I said, you know, uh, how much is it? And, it's he's a lot. A, he said, well, then American money is $1,500. Yeah. That's for a five, 600 pound bear with the claws, with the head and stuff. And that's what I wanted. I wanted it with the claws and the head, you know. Yeah. And you want that laying there in the in the living room where you watch television, lay it down for you and put it in front of the fireplace. Actually, I wanted to put it on the wall. <laughs> it's my deal. I wanted. I didn't want nobody to walk on it. No, okay. I didn't want nobody, you know, uh, I'm kind of. That's like my deer heads on the wall up at Hardy. Yeah, I don't like nobody touching them. Well, I got mine up high enough; you can't touch them. Oh, you! I mean, you, you stand up on the couch, well. you can or a chair, you can touch these. But when you touch them, you get oil on them. Yeah, and it. I got one deer head that's probably destroys the fur. Twenty 
22, 23 years old, and it still looks the good as day that did the day the guy did it. The only thing that I have to do from time to time is I get the extension ladder out because I got cathedral ceilings and, and I get it. Yeah, I get up there to dust them off. Yeah, uh, I dust mine. People every so laugh often. when they come out because I get the the uh, battery controlled Christmas lights and I put them up in their antlers. <laughs> yeah. Well, up in my cabin, Dave. If you ever go, when you I walk, intend to get up you know, there. When you walk in the door, the first thing you're gonna see is a nine and a half foot Christmas tree. It stays up year round. Well, cool. Sometimes it's decorated in Razorback stuff, and sometimes it's decorated in Christmas stuff. Sometimes it's decorated in Thanksgiving stuff. Just whatever the urge she feels like, that's what it's what's on it. I interviewed Ed McMahon once, and Ed McMahon did it at his house. In fact, uh, went to uh, this his special room. He calls it his special room, and you go in, and it's decorated for Christmas all year long. He's got about four Christmas trees really? in there, and got all kinds of lights and stuff. He says that's where he went, and still, he's dead now, but used to go whenever he felt down, because he says you can't go in and look at Christmas lights and feel down. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. That's what Tracy says when, you know, when we go up there, even if it's in the summertime, she's got it plugged up. Yeah. She's got it plugged up, and, you know, she There's has, something about she all just, those lights. She just, you know, like looking at it, and I mean. Don't you miss that about your own home? after christmas and everything's taken down no no you like having it down huh yes yeah i like it up i mean i, I mean i when, everything when looks the kids so was big young, open and depressing <laughs> you know when the kids was young uh you know we used to put lights all on the house and oh the yeah bushes and don't do that anymore huh um she actually been doing it herself the last couple of years she's she's took that that role over she likes to feel that christmas she does spirit. She, she does she's she likes putting the bushes out, and and then she'll tell me, hey, I need the stitching cord strung across the yard so I can plug this or plug that up. A couple of years ago, I, I took a sheet of plywood and cut her Christmas tree out of it, and she put lights all on it, and I screw it to the corner of the house so the wind before the wind it. would blow it over and broke it, so I had to put it back together. So now we I screw a screw up there and take a uh, piece of wire and tie it to it so it can't blow it, but i'm not just real thrilled with that but it's okay if you know but when i was younger yeah you know when my parents was alive you know that was christmas was a special time because my mother always made me a pecan pie there you go and banana pudding and you miss those things now don't you my mother made a pecan pie she crunched the pecans up yeah she didn't put them in their hole okay or halves she always crunched them up and that's the way i ate them and that's and i still to this day that's that's the way if Tracy makes me one that's the way she makes it now i i miss my my uh, mother uh did a great job of making divinity i'm not a big divinity eater uh but my my mom made it in such a way that man when it showed up like when i was overseas in the military she'd send me a care <laughs> she'd send me a care package as she'd say and have all kinds of chocolate chip cookies and stuff in it it would weigh about fifteen pounds. All of my, all of my, uh, my buddies that gather around. Oh well, yeah, they they wanted some home cooking too. But uh, her, whatever she did, and I never found out because it was a family recipe that for some reason I never got a hold of. Man, that stuff was good. Melt in your mouth. Well, that's like my mom. You know, I, they live four hours away from here. All my family is all my brothers and my sisters, and well, we never left and went to Osceola until. Uh, christmas morning you know we always had christmas at home because my wife she always believed in having christmas on 
at home. So yeah, you want your kids would, to be able to play with your toys. You know, and we'd stuff. wait, and then you know, ten thirty, eleven o'clock, we'd get in and head, you know, head to my 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 parents and her parents lived about five or six blocks apart. Oh, that's cool. So you know, and my mom would always make two uh, pecan pies. Well, she'd let them cut one. Yeah, that was there for you. She would tell them all, if y'all cut that pecan pie before he gets here, y'all in trouble. Well, my sister, she's a smart little kid. Anyway, uh-huh. She went in there. Mom always kept all the pies and everything in a closet. But she went in there and got in it and cut it and walked in there and told my mom, yeah, I got me a piece of this pecan pie. You wait uh-uh. till he gets here. Uh-uh. <laughs> and my mom, she said, that's all right. I'll make him another one before he goes home. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Boys, men, when we grow up, have special, special feelings for our mothers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We do. And uh, most especially when your mother dies of Alzheimer's and you see her oh. sit there for seven years and uh, a little bit of her disappears every time well, you see her. I didn't realize what was going on until my sisters. And I got nine brothers and sisters. So my sister was telling me that mom was going through Alzheimer's. And, but I talked to my mother and my dad every day. When I'd leave the shop for 15, 20 minutes on the way home, I talked to my mom dad every day. And she would always just as normal well one day i called her i was i'd left the shop got on the interstate and i called her and she answered the phone and i said mom how you doing who are you oh and i said ouch i said mom this is your son in little rock because she had a nickname she called me she said i have no kids hung up on me now okay so i called her back she hung up on me again mm-hmm so I called her back the third time. I said, Mom, let's speak to Dad. Well, I can hear Dad in the background. I'm trying to get the phone away from your mom. <laughs> so then Dad calls me back, and I said, Dad, Mom, having a bad day? He said, yeah, it's been a bad day today. And and that was really the first sign of the Alzheimer's that I had seen because I wasn't right. there every day. But that is a bad disease. Yeah, it is. You know, but it, it's great. She's, it really is. She had 80 something, 87 years, I think it was, so can't complain. Had a good life. Yes, sir. She had a good life. Uh, but, but, I, but I will say this, and you <laughs> tell me if you agree with me on this. When my father passed away, it was rough. Okay, that was tough for me. Yes, sir. My, my father and I had a close relationship. But when my mama died, yeah, it, it ooh, was bad. that was harsh. Well, we thought my mom was one that was bad sick because my dad was taking care of her. Well, my brother-in-law, my, we moved, my mom fell and broke her back, so we moved her to the nursing home because I told my yeah. dad, I said, Dad, you can't take care of her no more. And I had power of attorney and power of health over him, so I moved her to the nursing home. But Dad said, that's no problem. I'll just go out there every day and stay all day, and then I'll go back home. Mm-hmm. But one day about 2 o'clock, he told the nurse, he said, I don't feel good. I'm going to go home. Well, my brother-in-law found him sitting on the side of the road. He'd had a massive heart attack. Oh, no. Well, he lived uh, about five weeks after that, and he passed away from heart attacks and and he had lung cancer. He smoked like a chimney. I mean, one. Well, five months later, my mother died. Well, when you lose them that quick, you know, you know, and we're all thinking, you know, mom's going to die away before dad does. Yeah. Come to find out, dad was sicker than than rest. Dad had stage four lung cancer in both lungs. And, wow. And he knew it, but he wouldn't tell nobody. He told me, he said, my deal is take care of your mom. Just put up with the pain and, and exactly. did as he had to do. And he was in a hospital down in Memphis, and he called me. I was over here working, and he said, I need you in Memphis in the morning, ten o'clock. I said, Dad, I, I, I really, I've been off for a week for you. And I, I really need to get some stuff done. I need you here in the morning at ten o'clock now. When did he die? 
Um, they both died back in oh nine. But why did he need you there at ten o'clock? He wanted me to take him out of the hospital. Oh, okay. And my sisters, my brothers wouldn't. They, you know. So I get up the next morning. I drive to Memphis. He was at the Madras uh, Hospital in Memphis, out of Easton. I go in, and he he's he's got this machine hooked up there, pushing the blood back up to his system because he was so stopped up from smoking so much. Yeah. And he said, uh, "I want to go home." I said, "Well, Dad, you know you can't go home." I said, "I'll talk to the doctors." So they decided they was going to do heart surgery on him. Well, about that time, they found his lung cancer. And I'm sitting in the mercy room. I'm, I'm sitting in the waiting room, and they call me back here, and they said, hey, look, we need you to talk to you. And so I walk in the doctor's office, in the doctor's office, and there's seven different doctors standing in there. Mm-hmm. And I look around, and I think, oh, this ain't good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down there and told him, and uh, I said, Dad, you know, you got lung cancer. He said, you're not telling me nothing I don't already know. Yeah. Dad, why didn't you tell some of us? I didn't want none of y'all to worry about me. Y'all worry about your mama. And the deal, he reason he wanted me to come to Memphis and take him home, he said, I got something to tell you, Mama, and I don't want nobody to tell it but me. So I want you to take me home. Huh. So I told the doctor, I said, look, he wants to go home. He said, you know, when I take this machine off his leg, 80% of people die instantly. So I explained it all to my dad, and he said, look, I am not dying till I talk to your mom. Mm-hmm. So... They took the machine off. I loaded him in the truck and took him home. Took him to my mom, and I she was at the nursing home, so I had set up where he could spend the night at the nursing home. And and uh, they had their little spiel, and he run us all out of the room. When I got him there, all my brothers and sisters were there. He told me, he said, tell all your brothers and sisters to leave now. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we left, and about two hours, he called me, said, all right, y'all can come back now. So whatever him and my mom talked about, so – you know, it was great. All right. They had a good life. You know, they had, they had a great life. All right. Let's get a break in. Duck is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Wasn't expecting that story. Yep. I'll tell you about that. That's the first time you've ever told me that. Yeah, it's uh, – I don't tell it to many people. Well, you just told it to thousands of people. Yeah, I hope but, you don't mind. Uh, you know, used to I couldn't talk about it, but I can now. You know, it's been mm-hmm. long enough. All right. Going to take a break. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's continue on on the Dave Ellswick Show. My guest is Duck Godsey from down in Benton. And, of course, uh, Duck's Garage is his business. It's a bumper-to-bumper certified service center. You hear him or Joe or both of them together every Wednesday, typically at 4 to 5 o'clock, but because Senator Bozeman can only make it from 4 to 4.30, I asked him if he'd be willing to go from 4.30 to 6. He said, yeah. Ain't no problem. And that, that was before he knew that that uh, Joe was taking vacation at that time. <laughs> well, I can either be here on the radio yeah, or I could be sitting down in the traffic. Well, that's true, too. When we leave here at 5, it's usually a quarter to 6 time I get home. Yeah, I can understand that. Because when you hit 30, when you get off of 4.30 on the 30, when you try to get from four thirty, yeah, it's 30. usually bumper to bumper, and yeah. the interstate stopped up and stopped, and you know stuff like that. Uh, but it, yeah, it's fine. It's it's okay. But, All right. So, so we're gonna talk about some breaks. Yeah, breaks. Let's you talk know, about breaks. Uh, I've had some customers that come in and, and they say, "Hey, when I crank my truck up in the morning after it sets overnight, I hear a growling noise." So they come in and say, "Hey, can you check my brakes?" He said, I think I got brakes metal to metal. So I'll pull it in there and have my guys check it. And 
and he'll say hey ain't nothing wrong but the rotors are rusted and the guy looks at me he said how can i rust i said man the rotors will rust overnight this time of year because you got all the moisture in there you got cold and all the moisture and i said they they will rust he said i can't believe they rust overnight i said they rust a film over them and after you drive them for you know a block or two down the road it's gone and you move on and you're okay but i have been checking them in and but nowadays dave there are so many different brake pads out there on the market you can buy them for five dollars a pad in some places yeah but how good are those well you'll get um three or four thousand miles out of them that's not very much wait i I drive that much in two weeks Mm, yeah but but a good pad is uh bumper to bumper sells a good pad it's called thermoquite yeah that's what i usually sell that in wagner rotors and they and the good thing about them they don't make no noise they don't put the dust on your wheels you okay. know turn your wheels red looking you know mess your wheels all up so uh they're good brand they're made by bump by wagner they're called thermoquites any bumper to bumper sells them any certified center around we install them we buy them through bumper to bumper they're good people over there, as you know dave yep. you know you they're got excellent. all the people over there and they're great folks they take good care of me and joe and and gary henry and henry atkins and tom barkley up at uh, greenbrier you know you got jeff down at pine bluff along with joe and all them they're all down there and they're just good people they have what we need every day in stock so that's why we all deal with bumper to bumper all right so when we come back we'll talk about these particular brake pads uh we'll talk about uh, rotors as well how often do you need to turn them and do you turn them anymore i mean there's a lot of things that we used to do that we just don't do do anymore we'll find out about all of that when we get back here on dave ellswick show let's get to your news give you 60 seconds of did the president and congress come to an agreement while we were talking about cars hey uh russ (laughs) you know pelosi and and uh, schumer gave that the democrat response last night have you seen all the memes out about that? Oh, God. I saw one today. Uh, it was called Weekend at Ginsburg's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, hold, they had Schumer and had Pelosi, and they were holding up Ginsburg between them. And she's kind of sick. She might not be conscious, but she's yeah. all they got. Did you see did You see the one of American Gothic? They and, they, and they put Schumer's face and Pelosi's Green face on. Green where I'm supposed yeah. to be. It's oh, pretty, my gosh. It's pretty good. And then the other one that I really like was this one, and it's from The Shining. Oh. It's of the twins, <laughs> the young girls. <laughs> it was some good stuff today. It was, made me laugh today. It's hard to make me laugh when I'm talking about idiots like that, but I could. Yeah, I, you, Duck was just asking me if. You know, this was making the Democrats look bad now, and yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's got to be really I mean, bad. Surely, the American public has woke up and understood. Hey, look, you know, but like I told you a while ago, the only thing I think is wrong is the senators and the congressmen. They're all still setting up a draw on their salary. Well, but the thing that a lot of people don't understand, and this is what's going to happen when the government is opened again, they all get re- reimbursed. they all get reimbursed. Yeah, they all you get just like money. you get a big bunch of money all of a sudden yeah, you get a vacation even though it kind of holds you off for a few days but yeah yeah you know. anyway that happens but with that said let's get back to what i wanted to talk about which was the brake pads and you were talking about the specific bumper to bumper brake pad that people should be asking about how many miles are they good for and are they reasonable and and then tell me about rotors I, evidently you don't turn rotors anymore basically well 
Let's, let's start off with brake pads, Dave. All right. If you buy the the good thermoquite brake pads, and, and and think about this, Dave. You've got your wife, your kids, in a car. Do you really want to put a five dollar set of brake pads on a car? No, absolutely. You know, not. I've got my wife and my kids, and it could fail at any time. You know the brake pads, the you know the the thermoquites. They're on average, they're somewhere around eighty dollars a set. No, no more than that. It's not bad. Uh, you know, you can skimp on a few things, but you know when it comes to me stopping or me running through a red light and running over somebody and maybe me getting killed or me killing somebody, you know, I'll figure out how I can put the good pads on it. You know, I don't put the cheap pads on it. I, just, I don't either. I put I just good ref- pads on it. I just refuse. Because ha- what happens, Dave, if I put a set of pads on your vehicle and you go out and run over somebody, I could be hung right with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my name is more valuable than that. So I just don't do it and. You know, me and Joe have discussed this, just me and him by ourselves, you know, over over the years. And, and you know, we we believe in putting good quality parts on your vehicle. Yes, they do cost a little more, but it gives me a peace of mind and you a peace of mind knowing that when I apply my brakes, it's going to stop. Yeah. You know, it ain't like that it ain't going to woe up, but it will woe up. And speaking of rotors. Yeah, I want to hear now, about rotors. Nowadays, when you when you take a, a new rotor out of the box they're they're they don't have but about a hundred and twenty thousand square on them and you cannot turn them past the minimum specs okay. they have a minimum specs and if you turn them past that and you do go out and run over somebody the person who turned them and put them back on could be in deep trouble yeah right. we don't turn rotors no more now i say we don't turn rotors now there's some some two-ton trucks that we still turn rotors on but they're real thick and but on passenger cars light pickups we replaced the rotor with new ones and rotors are not as expensive as they no. used to be. i mean it used no. to be you'd hear yeah we got to put rotors on and yeah you, and you four five hundred dollars yeah you grab your heart you know and say, yeah, nowadays you, you can buy a, a a wagner rotor which is a good rotor which most of them are made in the u.s um you can buy some that's made in China. They're not near as good a rotor, and put them on, and they'll last. If you catch them before they get down metal to metal, you can get four or five sets of brake shoes out of one of them before it gets down past the wear bar. Uh, you know, and that's what I tell people. That's why me and Joe always preaches about a service. We do a service, not an oil change. I have people come out of oil change. Man, I don't do oil change. I do services. Yeah, because they're going to check the brake pads and everything. And your hoses and your belts. They're going to take a peek at your wipers. They're going to turn your headlights on, check your headlights, your taillights, your brake lights, your turn signals. They're mm-hmm. going to look at your tires and say, hey, Mr. Ellswick, you know, here are the next two or three oil changes. You need to put brakes on this thing. Or here in the next two or three oil changes, you need to think about buying tires. At least it gives you enough time that I can save my nickels and my pennies to like it so I can afford to buy them. Right. You know? If you do oil change, you dump the oil out of it, you screw a filter on it, you put oil back in it, you drive out. You don't get none of that other services, you know. And and how many cars do you see run down the road nowadays got a headlight out or got a tail light out? Yep. Or got, you know, got the a third, lot. A third brake light out. How many cars do you see with a third brake light out? You see them all the time run up down the road. And, and if you get a service, that's, that's corrected. Now, granted, I, you know, uh, I got customers that, you know, when they bring them in there and, they, and I service them, 
I, I don't even call them if they need lights or anything. I just repair it. And I got some customers that I had to call and tell them, hey, look, need so-and-so, need so-and-so. You know, maybe they're on a fixed income. Well, or well, they tell me, okay, I'll take care. You know, some of them there got a little bit of mechanical, you know. I'll, I, I'll, I'll put that in there myself. Don't You know, thanks for telling me, but I do appreciate it. So, you know, uh, when you get an oil change, make sure you get a good service. That's a life of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And as me and you was talking a while ago, nothing nowadays for a car to be 40 50 60 70 80 000, on some ford trucks now my uh my cadia when that engine went out was about twelve thousand, give or take short of three hundred thousand miles yep. and i i say that the reason it was that good is because joe had took care of service yeah i mean i bring it in we we changed the the oil on time. The filter. We did the all air filter. Check the cabin air yeah, filter. Everything. All new cars nowadays have a cabin air filter. Uh, granted, they need to be changed twice a year, especially when you go from 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 spring when all of the green stuff gets blown out of the trees. You need to change it in about June, and then you need to change it again in about January. Uh, it catches that's what it's designed to do to catch all the trash from keeping getting in, into your evaporator core now keep all of that nasty pollen outside the rear cab exactly and and, and you got to buy a good filter which we use wix filter which comes from bumper to bumper you know um uh it's just you can buy a good brand of filter and put in it and it you can even buy them now that's got uh, some kind of stuff on them that kills all that stuff too yeah, well, here's the key by changing that uh, that that filter in your car. If you don't do it very often, go do it here next week or so, and see if the inside of your car doesn't smell better. Okay, they, my wife scolds me about this all the time. She said, "You change a cabin air filter in your truck twice a year, and then she'll buy air filters for the house. She changes them every four weeks." yeah the same thing in she our says house. think about that you're riding around in your truck with a dirty air filter all the time till you change it she said i change them in the house every four weeks if you have pets in your house you need to change them regular oh yeah absolutely you know, are you going to make your ac, your AC and your heater work overtime and not only that dave what happens is on the on your a coil in your house when that hair gets to it then it gets wet and it's sitting there oxidizing the fins on that thing you're gonna have a leak for long mm-hmm. you know and that's what i tell people you know hey air filter some of them are easy to change dave some of them are pain in the rear to change mine is really easy it's not hard at all some of them on the outside of the car some of them on the inside yeah. of the car but but within 15 20 30 minutes you can change any of them you know and so but why should you change it is this what i think why should i change it when I can take mine to Joe's, and I just, you know, say, hey, Joe, it's about time to do that. And he just throws it in and uh, pat make, you on the back, send done. you down the road. Yeah. You know, and I love I've it. had people come by, you know, and say, hey, can you change my cabin air filter? Yep. Let me get it ordered, and then we'll get you in here and get it changed. Yeah. Or they'll come by the day and say, hey, order me these two filters, these two cabin air filters, and I'll be by tomorrow afternoon to put them in. So, you yeah, know. Yeah. And just have them show you one of those after they take it out and after they put the new one in and show you the old one. You'll be glad you changed it because you look at that and you go, I was breathing that crap. All that green, nasty junk. Yeah, yes, I'm and, breathing all that. You know, yeah. and, and nasty. Maintenance nowadays on a vehicle is very important. Pay me now or pay me later. It's just like the maintenance on your body. Yep. 
pay me now or pay me later yep if you don't take care of your body it's going to cost you and then you know even if you do take care of your body it still puts you down sometimes sure. <laughs> absolutely all right let's get a break then we got our final segment i'll get back with duck we got more to talk about with you, you got a question eight two three oh nine six five eight two three oh nine six five here on the dave ellswick show back with you dave ellswick show we've got uh bruce in greenbrier and it's got a nine uh, two, uh, 2015 duramax. duramax yeah how you doing there uh my man and what's your question for duck uh first of all thanks for taking my call no problem second of all um uh, i've got right at about a hundred thousand on a truck yes sir uh i bought it used yes sir when when i'm driving down the interstate like if i'm going from little rock to uh conway yes sir when i get off the interstate and i pull up to a stop sign um it's got like a sour smell yes sir and my kids are just like what is that smell does it do it every time and i'm just like i I really know is it going not telling me or i mean have you ever put a cabin air filter in it uh no sir what it is your filter has got wet from the condensation from the from the winter from the summer change over to the winter change and your filter is soured you need to put a cabin air filter in it oh that's it that's behind yes, the it, box it, right. and look and when if you go buy it and do it yourself you're going to get a box and it's going to have two filters in it there is two filters in that hole you got to pull one out reach in there and pull the other one out then slide it out to you then slide it down Okay, well, that fixes easy enough. If you go to bumper to bumper, when you buy the filter, uh, they got some stuff that you spray in there, and it and it will kill the the mildew smell that's already got to the evaporator core, and that'll stop all that. That, but that's what you've got. You got the filter. You got a little water in there, and it's and it's and it's, and it's kind of it's probably got mold growing on it. And it's what you're smelling. Okay, because that's the only time I smell is after I'm after doing driving a long ways. Yeah, and then I pull up and stop, and I'm just like, what is that smell? Yeah, and what it does, it sloshes around a little bit in there, and, and like I say, 90% of the time, putting a cabin air filter in it will cure all your problem. Cool. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. All right. Appreciate Thank you. Have a great night. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you for the call. And, and you know, that's what this show is all about. You, you got something you want to know where – you want to know what a cabin air freshener is in your car? You call Duck, he can tell you he's probably replaced one in every make and model that's out there. If I don't know, I will give me about five minutes and I'll tell you where it is. All right. So just keep that in mind. But remember, you have cabin air filter and you may have more than one. Yeah. Like I said, most Chevrolet have two. The reason they put two in it because a wide one, they can't get it all the way in the hole and slide it forward. So they take two small ones. And you slide one up, and then you push it all the way to the far wall. Then you slide the other one up, and it's got a felt in between them that seals off. That's interesting. And probably what's happened to him is probably lives by uh, by some pine trees, and they fall down in the bend up on it by the hood, and mm-hmm. they suck them down in there, and it creates a uh, acid kind of looking stuff. And the first thing you know, you got mold growing on it. Okay. And then you get a little water down there because a pine needle stops up the drain on it. And then it's you know, just smelling. Yeah, and then you get that old rotten. It's kind of like when you leave the clothes in the dryer. Oh, I mean, in a wash machine when they get sour the, smelling. That's, that's what he's smelling, and and I'm like him. I I can't stand that smell. I mean, it's it's just a nasty smell, and, and then that's what's going on. It's just basically a sour smell on that paper filter. 
and you know that's why you can do it they they make some stuff if that don't cure the smell that you can slide the filters out and it's kind of like a foam looking stuff and it you you squirt it up in there let it dry and it kind of covers it over covers the smell up so you don't get that smell no more but it, probably putting filters in to cure all this problem all right okay so for the listeners that are just tuned in today they're heading home <laughs> they've had a hard day at work what are some things that every owner of a car should be checking on a regular basis to make sure you don't end up with a huge repair bill i mean you're going to always have you know preventive things that you got to do but i mean what what are the things you should do on a regular basis to save yourself money well on a regular basis dave a lot of things is as you know servicing that's that's the regular basis keep it serviced uh make sure you don't run it hot because if you run one hot now day and time you just spent seven eight thousand dollars without any trouble um just maintenance is is the biggest deal in them when when you say maintenance you're talking about oil changes oil changes transmission changes check your brakes check your hoses just basically a walk around i I tell my customers you know that that own their vehicle that i got a bunch of individual customers too uh, along with a bunch of commercial truck customers and i tell them hey once a week just walk around kick the tires you'll be surprised if you walk around and kick your tires once well you might see what you'll find you know not only that but you'll find hey somebody's door dinged my car oh you know uh, or somebody's bumped my headlight and, and busted my headlight you know, and I tell people, walk around it once a week and just take a gander. I do it myself. A lot of times, me and Teresa start out to go somewhere, and I'll, I'll go in on her side and walk around to my side just to look, just to, just to take a gander and to see what's happened, you know. And and when I walk by, I look at my tires and make sure they still look good, and, you know, and everything. Yeah, I looked at my tires today. They don't – I need new tires, no doubt about it. I, I can go another couple of months before I absolutely got to get them – but I don't like to get into that absolutely got to get them yeah, category. I'm I'm kind of gun shy about that because I might be running down the interstate real fast and have to put on your brakes and you want to get something to blow a tar out. And, yeah, and I got this red trailer behind me with my tractor up on it. Ooh, it throws all kind of little wild fits, and mm. so my, I'm I'm kind of like you about about my tires. I keep a well when they start getting down where I think they're too thin. And a lot of times I'll buy a set of tires. What are you putting tires on for? Well, my I, wife, I don't feel happy with it. I don't them. feel comfortable. Yeah, that's it. So and, that, and that's why I do it. You know, a lot of times I could probably get another ten or twelve, fifteen thousand miles out of them, but but there again, Dave, you got to look at the date. Is that worth it? That's oh yeah, because five years yeah. and that's about it. Uh, five years nowadays, and and you know, and uh, you need to look at the date on your tires. If you don't know how to read the date, call me and I'll tell you how to read it. It's very simple, but you can tell me the numbers on it, and I can tell you how to read it. And it's simple. You know, uh, I learned a long time ago, you know, from my dad and stuff, how to read the dates on the tires and everything. Look at your windshield. Look at your wipers, Dave. How many people right now, you know, we may get some bad weather this weekend, need wipers on their vehicles? Yeah. It's time for me to do that as well. I notice I got a streak forming. When you start seeing streaks, it's time. You know, and I changed them. I changed them right before summer, so it's ready. It's It's time. Time to change. Six months. Yep. Yeah. If if you buy a good wiper, you can get six months out of it. Yeah. If you buy the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollar wipers, no, I don't. 
you'll get three months you know you'll get good service for three months and then they start downhill pair of mine about it's about uh 28 dollars yeah they got some now for these new mercedes cars they're 90 dollars for a set of wiper blades Ouch. the good ones now i'm okay, talking about the good ones i understand ones, but man that's ouch still it hurts yeah but, yeah you know do not you want, to mention that when i service it it's going to cost me an arm and leg as well yeah do you want to see when you're driving or you want uh guess drive line <laughs> guess <laughs> you want to fly this airplane where you can see or you want to fly it where you can't see all right well i won't see you this weekend but i will see you next week wednesday yep. and joe should you be here then yep. with us we appreciate duck from Duck's Garage, what's your number over there again? 501-778-2886. Call him if you need some yeah. help. Call him. In Especially diesels. Somebody answer the phone. And the guy with the, with the diesel pickup, I'm going to say one thing, Dave, real quick. Mm-hmm. I meant to tell him, at 120,000 miles, you need to call me because we need to talk. All right. So if you're still listening, call, call me at Duck. the shop, uh, 501-778-2886 or 501-607-1965. That's my cell. Because there's a couple things I need to tell you about that 6.6 that you need to do before it gets for me more miles on it. Yeah, there's some changes, or you're going to cost yourself a lot of money. Ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. All right. Thank you, Dave. Call Duck. All right. Thank you, Duck, for coming on in. Tomorrow, J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, leads off. Mark Lauder will be with us from the RNC. We'll talk about the wall. Elizabeth Otolaro will be here as well. It all happens right here starting at 2 o'clock on the Dave Ellswick Show.